in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. <sighs> Hi, Art. Hey, Andy, you seem a little frustrated. Yep. I am a little... A little unhappy, let's say. Wow. Um... Uh, I don't know, Andy. Do we want to hash this out right now? I mean, it's uh, it's you know, we we there's a is it something to do with the, today's topic? I I don't understand. No, no. Today's topic, today's topic is a good topic. Yeah. Uh, we're discussing the uh the megalithic modern megalithic structure <laughs> of Coral Castle. This is a a a Florida almost. It's a historical landmark in Florida, I believe. It's in the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, Built was, by an eccentric, weird little hermit man. Yeah. Big, from Latvia. Lat, weird Latvian immigrant built it. I mean, it's a good topic, and you're going to like the topic. And bunk it was suggested by yeah. one of our beloved bunk funkers, yeah. a great patron of this show. Oh, yes. Uh, someone who took the time to go to patreon.com slash Pod and uh, become the penultimate tier of the penultimate of bunker supporter uh jeremy g jeremy g he's an OGG. he's a real g it's a great topic he's a g string it's a great he's the g string uh on our guitar pluck him and he will sing that's right it's a great topic it's a great bunk funker yeah. great patron I mean, bunk funkers andy is just everything is great about this Oof. he is Except... worked up about something i, I don't know what it is bunk funkers. here we are again I mean, I guess, oh boy, Bunkfunkers, I mean, we're getting into it. You're going to, the thing is, Bunkfunkers, you know, if if you don't want to stick around for the lore, but it seems like maybe you should, because Andy's giving you a little teaser of what to come. Bunkfunkers, have you ever seen him this upset? I don't think you have. But as always, if you want to get right to the research, you can by looking in the show notes in the episode description, there will be a timestamp. It says research begins at, you can scrub ahead. When the research starts, but uh, first, um, Andy is well. To be fair, I'm a little upset as well. I was trying to put a face on, but yeah, Andy just cut through me like a hot knife through my buttery, buttery, greasy, buttery face. If anything's made of butter, I will get into it immediately. <sighs> I mean, bunkfuckers, we we said a lot of things last 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 week we said a lot of things last week we 
we got real high off of our own hubris. Yeah. We we inhaled the fumes of our own shit. <laughs> and it got us high as fuck. Things were said, bunk funkers. Things were said. Promises were made. Deals enacted. Yet here we are again. We said we had our we took the Casey Kasem approach. We had our feet on the ground. Yeah. But we were reaching for the stars. Yeah. And we fell over. Last week, Bunk Funkers, of course, as you know, in a landslide monumental victory that will go, surely go down as one of the biggest questions on the U.S. law bar exam, on many a law textbook. We won in a landslide victory mm-hmm. over Mr. Bunker right. in our lawsuit. Unanimous decision in our favor. Um, Andy and I have been perennial losers our entire lives. That that might come as a surprise to some of you listening to this. But we were winners last week. We were on top of the world. We didn't know how to handle it. And so we started saying things like, we're, this is it for us. This is an up streak. Uh, we, we're going to win every, we, we, we might never come back to the bunker. We might never come back. It might've been the last episode ever. Yeah. We, we dedicated our lives to our new family. Rave, raising, uh, adult baby, David Crosby, David Crosby, uh, Famous Our, musician and <laughs> 60s counterculture icon who we are raising as an infant. Uh, now we adopted we adopted David Crosby. We are two daddies. We're two daddies. We're and two we have daddies, a family. Two, two men, uh, an adult baby, David Crosby, and our teenage son, Peon Musk. He's a teenage Sasquatch. Okay. We like to remind that to him every single day that he is not human. He is a Sasquatch. That's his daily affirmation. He says, I am not human. I am a Sasquatch. But he says it in unintelligible growls That's instead right. of English. Um, so we thought, you know, that and and here's the thing, I guess maybe the bulk of you saw through our bullshit. Um, because when we announced that we might never be coming back, um, nobody cared. Uh so uh <laughs> Yeah, there was a surprise. Surprisingly, lack of caring that this might be the last nobody, episode of all nobody time. Nobody said best wishes. Nobody said good luck. Right. So, right. I guess everybody else knew better than we did. That right. We would eventually fail back mm. into where we were before. Mm-hmm. Now, those of you who have been listening know that Andy and I are changed men. We're not just family men, mm-hmm. which changes you. It changes you. Now that we're taking care of an adult baby. I feel so much different now that I have a family. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, now that you have one, you feel, you feel that weight of responsibility come down upon you. You know, you live your life for more people than just yourself now. And ever since we adopted Peon Musk and David Crosby, by, well, suing, I, for, by suing for custody of them, <laughs> Well, suing for custody of one, forcing the other. Well, that's true. But he's our little baby, and yeah, he can be a fussy mess sometimes. And Bunk Funkers, you know, Andy is is saying it, but really, he 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 walks the walk as much as he talks the talk. Because the other day, uh, we we were in the bunker, our new home where we live. We live in the bunker now together, uh, raising our 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 new sort of little family, little family mm-hmm. unit together, and yeah. um. 
You know, you got to keep an eye on those youngsters because David Crosby got out of his his little roller chair, his little playpen roller chair that he sits in, and we freaked out. You freaked out. Yeah. You you had a bit of an, a panic. Yeah. You didn't know where he got to. I mean, you turned your back for one second, Andy. You turned your back for one second, and I mean, babies they can crawl so fast; it's incredible. Especially when they're, I mean, 60, 70 years old. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think that uh, an almost 80-year-old baby would would be able to move that fast, but they just take off. It's like he's it's like he's known how to crawl forever. Yeah. It's yeah, it's incredible. I, it, but you you really truly started to freak out. Mm -hmm. uh, you started to tear up the bunker. You were looking in strange places like under the rug. Um, you, you tore through the pantry, mm -hmm. ramen noodles and yeah. freeze dried tang all over the floor. Yeah. Um, you tore down the, uh, ceiling fan, which I thought, I mean, did you think he was hiding on the ceiling fan? You never know. I can't see above the blades. So I took the whole ceiling fan down Yeah. because then I worried that he got into the ceiling. And then you were worried that he was in the drywall. Uh-huh. So I ripped out all the drywall mm -hmm. and then, uh, I just, I freaked out. I ran outside and I found him doing donuts in the driveway in the golf cart. He had somehow gotten into a package of Dunkin' Donuts. He was doing donuts out in the, in the, in the driveway. Yeah. In the golf cart. In a golf cart. I mean, it was, you know, what can I say? Different parenting styles here, Bunk Funkers. I think I'm a little bit more relaxed, you know. Art's more of a boys will be boys I'm more of a dad. boys will be boys kind of dad. But as you can imagine, I'm kind of a strict authoritarian <laughs> Uh, I like things to be a certain way. You really want to, I mean, the other day, you know, even we tried to go for a family photo at one of the Walmarts. Uh, we live within a radius of like 16 Walmarts. Uh, <laughs> we're at the epicenter, uh, which I think was planning on Mr. Bunker's part to yeah. be at the very center of a Walmart. And you, uh, you wanted vortex. both baby David Crosby and Peon Musk to dress up like little sailor boys. Mm-hmm in a similar little outfit that you thought was cute. You wanted us to wear matching outfits mm -hmm. and you know, which I were mean, also sailor outfits, right? I have some reservations about how high the shorts were cropped and where you acquired these outfits. These were not sailor uniforms. These were um, almost like Halloween costumes. Yeah. Intended these to were be like, sexy. Bunk Funkers. These were like, these were great costumes. They're like one piece. It's like a jumpsuit. The shorts the shorts cut off mid-thigh if you're, you know, short-legged. And there's a deep V that goes all the way yeah. down to the belly button uh -huh. uh, on the on the thing, uh, on the sailor costume. Right. It comes with, uh, with a little hat, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a Donald Duck type of hat. Sure. Um, and I think everybody looked... Looked great. I just, I just don't know why you kind of feel the need to throw to like argue and have a argument in front of the Walmart uh, photo taker, who looked a lot like our friend Justin Link, but I don't know. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's hard, hard to tell because, I mean, I, I it's because of because of the pandemic. I haven't yeah. seen Justin so right. long, and. This person had such long, unwashed hair. It was, it kind of looked like Justin, but uh, I wasn't really sure. 
Um, but I just don't know why you need to start like an argument about it. Is it really that important to you to have this family photo? Yeah, and I like to have arguments in public because it shows that I'm dominant. People don't, you know, people might see us out and think that you're the you're the one in charge, right? And that I'm, you know, subservient little little bitch daddy. But no, no. I don't know what P.M. Musk has been saying again, if he's been calling you a bitch daddy. You're yeah, trying you to get him not to, I mean, here's the thing, you know, I don't really, if he wants to swear a little bit in the house, but he shouldn't be saying it out in public. Right. So I get in arguments with my family in public to make people understand that I am in charge. On the other hand, I get it because you want to fit in at the Walmart. So you want to have public arguments. You want to be wearing weird clothing and that's inappropriate to be in public. Um, you want to drive the rascal scooter around when you don't need one. I was in the rascal scooter the whole time. And the basket of the rascal scooter was, yes, full full of pop, full of soda, Cokes, Pepsis, <laughs> Mr. Pibbs, Pib Extra, <laughs> Diet Pib, Walmart, Squirt, great selection of RC Pib, Cola. Pib brand. <laughs> So, I mean, we've kind of been living our little life here. It's been... Things were going fine. Things were great. We thought, we thought this podcast was behind us. Yeah. We thought, ah, eh, we'll get to it in a couple months. We'll see what happens. We'll come back and we'll do what we want to do. Right, right, right. We're not going to be forced to podcast about conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, the bizarre anymore. We can finally podcast what, about what we want. Right. The Great British Baking Show. That's right. We wanted to do the original podcast that we wanted to do where we gush over Paul Hollywood and his fucking bright blue eyes. And we talk about Lady Prim and how, and we talk about Mary's Berries. Mary Berry. It's mostly about us. Uh, and you know she's a saucy woman behind the scenes. It's mostly about us fantasizing about having sex with people that were on. Yes. That were judges. That's right. Um, and that's the show that we want to do. But we went out to celebrate. Yeah. We we scored a huge legal victory and we wanted to take our beautiful family. That's right. So we loaded up the minivan. Mm -hmm. We we put baby David Crosby in his incredibly oversized car seat. It's a very large car seat. It takes up more room than a regular car we seat. We actually, yeah, we had to knock like, out. Like um, then a seat in an actual car. The whole back row, actually, it is actually a literal car seat. It is a seat from a different kind of car. Right. Um. It is, I think, I don't know, maybe it came from a Hummer or something. It's very large. And so yeah. we had to knock out one of those middle, you know, and the boys, they're always fussing over who gets to sit where. Peon Musk wants to lounge in the back of the minivan, and David Crosby wants to lounge in the back of the minivan, but he's a baby, so he can't do that. Yeah, he has to be strapped in. Right. He he just wants to do what he looks at what Peon Musk is doing, and he wants to do what Peon Musk is doing, of course. Right. But he can't because we constantly have to remind Peon Musk that he is not human. Right. And David Crosby. And it is. is so cute. The other day, I went in the backyard, and there they both were eating squirrels. So cute. You know, and I think you got a little mad with them because you didn't want them to spoil their appetite, but it was right. very cute. Right, because, I mean, we were having beans for dinner that night. 
Of course, my famous homemade beans. I won't tell you my secret recipe, but let's just say it involves a can. Of what? He'll never tell. <laughs> He's so secretive making his beans. And my famous beans. My boys love my beans. My boys love my beans. They do. They're cute. But, we, um, but yeah, we were headed out to celebrate. Yeah. We loaded up. You know, this is a special occasion. Right. We were finally winners. That's true. We had our we had our little family. Yeah, we did. So we did the only thing that made sense to us to do to celebrate, which is we we went to Pizza Hut. Yeah, of course. Where do you else do you go to celebrate? I mean, there's so few dine-in Pizza Huts. We had to drive 160 miles. We had to go past the fortress of Walmart's that encircle the bunker. And uh, we had to go 160 miles down south to find a final dine-in Pizza Hut, one of the last to ever exist. Right. And it it, was, it also was not a combination KFC. No, this was standalone, standalone dine-in Pizza Hut. Yeah, 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 yeah. This no other, a, no other yum brands no. were allowed in this building. That's it's right. Just Pizza Hut. I mean, immediately when you, you know, obviously, I mean, here's the thing, bunk funkers. We are not the most typical family. Okay. We get a lot of looks. Mm-hmm. Of course, Andy and I are, uh, we are, we have been left scarred and changed men mm-hmm. from the legal battle. We now resemble grotesque humanoid like creatures. I am a hulking gray thing with, uh, peeling skin and, uh, large pauldrons on my, on my shoulders and back from where the D Snyder armor fused to my skin, mm-hmm. the makeup and hair. I have, large frizzy disgusting matted hair and uh peeling gray skin and me of course uh from sleeping on the courtroom floor i was buffed uh so my flabby pale body was made to a flabby bright hue yeah a pinkish red you shine and i i glisten in the sunlight yeah. i'm completely hairless yes. um i I'm usually nude because most of my clothes got buffed off of me. Well, and clothing slides right off of you too. Yeah, there's no there's no friction on my skin anymore. It's incredible. You're Ice. like a marble. Yeah, yeah, like a marble. Uh, so, so we get a lot of looks. We we're, get a lot of looks. We get it. We're not an eight. We're not a typical family. Okay. You know, it's but like we're a fucking family. This is 2021. Like, yeah. Let's get with it. Yeah. We're a family. There's just as much love in this bunker Ugh. as there is in any house. Maybe more. I mean, you know what? Uh, hate on us because we're two daddies, but don't hate on us because we fucking look like disgusting, hulking monster cryptids. And our son is a sass. Don't fucking leer at my son. Yeah. Don't leer at my son. And you know, yes, we get it. Baby David Crosby does start singing folk songs in the middle of dinner. You don't have to tell, you don't have to. Roll your eyes and sigh. Right. Oh, and act like we can't keep our baby under control. Just because he wants to play with his little little Fisher-Price tambourine and sing Tambourine Man. And he wants to pull out his full-size acoustic guitar. His Martin, his Martin D fucking guitar. And sing Turn, Turn, Turn while you're trying to eat your breadsticks. You don't have to you don't have to give us dirty looks. I swear to God, I was getting ready to fucking throw down with some of these goddamn Karen's. In the fucking Pizza Hut. What's a male Karen called? Uh, Ken. A Ken. These Karens and Kens. Kens and Karens out, out at their Pizza Hut. 
You could see all the waitresses. None of them wanted to fucking come up to us, take our goddamn orders. Bullshit. It's bullshit. I mean, we we our money's as good as anybody else's. Yeah. Just because it's greasy. Just because I can't grip it because <laughs> I don't have any fingerprints left because they got buffed out. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I can't, you know, have somebody else reach into my pocket. Well, we finally got situated at a table. And, um, you know, of course, they brought up the classic Pizza Hut large red stained glass cups. Those fucking stained glass yep. plastic cups. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what a, a, what a blast from the past. What a blast from the past. I mean, filled to the brim with Pepsi. <laughs> filled to the absolute brim. To the brim. Uh, we kept sending them back. They kept bringing to us. I said, mm, it's not to the brim. Not to the brim. Not to the brim. I made him fill it up. Yeah. He did, yeah, Art did make him fill it up. Um, so 20 minutes later, after we got our drinks, mm-hmm. um, we decided to... I mean, Peon Musk is getting very hangry at this point. He's starting to flip things, tear things down. Yeah. Um, he went to the, the, the Cabela's Big Hunter video game that was in the back of the Pizza Hut arcade. He ripped it out. Um, which I think he gets a little upset when he sees, like, hunting video games because I think... You know, he probably has some past trauma where people tried to hunt him. Yeah. And we're working through it. He's a very troubled teen boy, but he's a good boy. He's good at heart, but he has a lot of issues that he needs to work through. He has through. a lot of issues. Let's yeah. be honest, bunkfuckers. Yeah. yeah. He had, an, he had, I think, what you would call a non-traditional childhood. <laughs> and, you know, we and just have to keep reminding him that he's not human. Yeah. And yeah, that he we, doesn't fit in. And I think and that's the best course of action. With a teenager. Right. You want to you wanna keep reminding your teens how different they are from everybody else. Right. And, and how... How little they they fit in with their peers. It's the best thing for them. Always point out his differences. Yeah. Always point out that he it can helps do to certain remind things. them that they're unique and yeah. they're not like anybody else, That's and right. they're pretty much totally alone in the world. <laughs> so he was getting kind of hangry, and eventually it was time to take the, take our order. Of course, we can't decide what appetizer we want. Oh my god, how could you choose from that menu? Huh? I know. There's too we many wanted choices. buffalo wings. We wanted mozzarella sticks. Baby David Crosby wants breadsticks. I mean, you want the garlic knots? Yeah. I'm sitting here saying, let's get a fucking sampler platter. It's it's all over the place because yeah. we're not trying to break the break the bank here, bunk funkers. I mean, we're a family. Yeah, we got, money's tight. Yeah, we got to send Peon Must to college. <laughs> I assume we might have to send baby David Crosby. We'll see. A little ways off. I mean, he's just a baby. He's very smart. Very right. gifted. Yeah, he's exceptionally gifted for a newborn. Well, we call him our little Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Because he's so gifted with music. Yeah, he's so gifted. with. You know, I see. I think he's going to enjoy getting involved in a music class when he's old enough. That's true. Well, we'll see. He's still our little baby boy. And you know what? With with your babies, you just, you know, you just want to cut. You just want to baby him. You just really do. Yeah. I mean, he's just our little baby. So we ended up letting them choose the appetizers. And of course, uh, Andy, you made a huge stink about uh, you actually threatened the waitress at gunpoint, which I thought was a little extreme that if she brought out the fucking pizza before the appetizers, um, you wouldn't hesitate to fucking bust. I think the words you used was bust a cap in her knee. Mm -hmm. That's right. She said that. Yeah. Um, It's a real pet peeve of mine when people bring out. If I order an appetizer, I don't want it at the same time as the entree. I want my entree after the appetizer. At at worst, well, you want, I want them together at the same time. 
And I don't want that. I mean, one time, Bunk Funkers, we went out to, uh, you know, a restaurant together and it was, um, you know, we went out to a uh, Bennigan's, one of the last Bennigan's that ever existed. And um, they they brought the potato skins at the same time as our soup and, and salad. And Jesus. you fucking threw a fit. Right. It's a you fucking restaurant. Is it so hard to bring one thing out? Let me eat it and give me a minute and then bring the next thing. You just bring one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. I'm eating fucking dessert while I still have the goddamn appetizer in my mouth. Fuck. It isn't that hard. Br bring me the appetizer. <laughs> Let me finish the fucking appetizer. Give that time to like settle in my tummy. 20, 30 minutes. Then bring me the fucking pizza. We're eating out. We are out here eating. You're serving us. We want to sit here for two to three hours and enjoy our meal. It's like, excuse don't give a me. Fuck if you have to turn our table and make tips to make a living. Excuse me, Pizza Hut waitstaff. We are 5% tippers, okay? We are pretty fucking good tippers. That's 5% of the total, including tax. It's a gratuity. That means it's gratuitous. It's too much, even if it's any. But we do five fucking percent. That's a good fucking tip. And you're only going to get it if you bring out things in sequential order. Yeah. Now, that being said, you did threaten to shoot her at gunpoint, which was, I don't know, a little extreme for me. It in was, my lackadaisical parenting style. I mean, look, I, it was a stressful situation because you always, I shouldn't have to explain this to the wait staff at every restaurant. Well, whether then, or not they <laughs> even give any indication that they're going to bring it out together, I have to tell them that compulsively. And I'm trying to change baby David Crosby's diaper on top of the table, <laughs> and he had a blowout poopy. Yeah. So well, I'm elbow deep in baby David Crosby diarrhea, <laughs> trying to tell this fucking server how to do their job and not make me eat my pizza at the same time. As my appy. We're just like every other family. Just like every other family. We just want to have a nice time. Just want to have a nice time. A nice meal out. Is that so much to ask? Don't fucking stare at us. Don't come at our family. The worst part is how the server left immediately after that. And then I had to give the whole spiel to a new server. <laughs> we had stayed so long that this server had ended their shift. And a new server had to start and take over our table. This happens frequently for us. We're <laughs> If you don't give time for the food to settle between the courses, you get indigestion. You get heartburn. You get diarrhea. <laughs> you get the whole peptabismal experience. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually we did get our pizza. And we were enjoying it. As much as you can, a Pizza Hut pizza. <laughs> It's not good, bunk bunkers. It's not good pizza. Yeah, we could have had way better pizzas, but we wanted the Pizza Hut experience. That's true. You go for the experience. You don't go for the food. Pizza you, Hut's about the ambiance. Yeah, it's about the ambiance. You go for the ambiance. You go for that. It's about that little twisted right. shaker that's plastic but looks like glass. That's <laughs> full of just desiccated Parmesan. Caked or, on. Or red pepper flakes. The, 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 the holes of the Parmesan 
caked over. You can't even get uh, can't even get it out. Yeah, it's worthless. It's it's crusted on. It's it's for that that sort of plastic tablecloth checkered uh, like a like a gingham style shirt or a picnic yeah. blanket that is weirdly sticky in one of the corners and you don't know why. Yeah. It's about it's about those cheap wooden chairs that don't have all four legs even. Right. And they have that one cushion right on it. It's about the hanging chandelier lights that try to resemble a tavern pizza um place but uh you know it's just you end up hitting your head on them. It's about that half dome of windows. That's why you go to Pizza Hut. That is why you go and it's it's honestly about eating inside of a of a hut. Of yeah. a building shaped like a hut. A hut. It has a bright red roof and has a hut. It, I don't want to eat inside of a box looking place. No. I don't want to eat inside of a place that has large windows and clean. No. I, I want mean, mildewy carpet yeah. and a red big red roof. That's right. So we eventually did get our pizza and you know we tried to enjoy it as best we could. Um of course, baby David Crosby needs to be fed formula. So we kind of asked the wait staff to maybe try and blend a little bit of the pizza. They had a big fucking problem with it. Something about health codes. I don't know. They tried to, we oh, asked them how, to blend. Oh, we don't have a blender because yeah. we don't make milkshakes. Quote, unquote. Right. Quote, unquote. Uh, <laughs> quote, unquote. We won't put pepperoni inside of baby formula and then heat it up for you inside one of the al- we ovens. We won't fill a enormous bottle full of tomato sauce so that you're Adult baby can drink it. <laughs> Bullshit excuses. This was this. Let's I mean, just say this. Pizza Hut has an anti-family agenda. I'll just say it, it has a very anti-family, very anti-family agenda. Um, I think Andy, you definitely are going to be posting on your Facebook group for daddies, your family Facebook group mm-hmm. for daddies. Y a d d i e z. Daddies, the Facebook group. Uh, uh, you will be, and we will be leaving a review. We will be. We will be. We will be reaching out uh, to this Pizza Hut through Yelp and through Facebook and through Google uh, and leaving a two and a half star review. Then it happened. We we paid our check. Right. Uh, we tipped 3%. Mm-hmm. That's how we felt. That's what we felt was, was fair. fair. We, we wheeled uh, baby David Crosby. Right. Out to the car, and mm-hmm. as we were putting him in his car seat, he he let go of his Pizza Hut balloon. Of course, we had to get him a balloon. And it drifted off. You have to understand, Bunkfunkers, this Pizza Hut is the, is the last building in the subdivision in this town. Mm-hmm. It sits on the edge of a wooded area. Actually, half of it is unincorporated. Half of it is incorporated. Yeah. The half that we ate in was unincorporated. Right. Which is why I was not subject to prosecution for threatening to shoot the wait staff. See, we've been in court for a long time. We know these things. Mm-hmm. We know the law now. The balloon drifted off into the mists near this wooded area off of the parking lot. Yeah, the Sierra mists. We chased after it. We did, of course. I mean, baby David Crosby was crying. Oh my God, he was crying. Beside himself about this missing balloon. You know how kids get. Got to have his balloon. Got to have his balloon. So we told Peon Musk, we said, watch, watch your, your brother. brother. Your daddies will go get. What'd you say? I said, watch your brother. Yeah, we said, watch your brother. Yeah, watch your baby brother. 
Daddies will go get the balloon. The daddies will go get the balloon. So we went off into the we went off into the woods. We did. And we're following this balloon. Mm-hmm. Uh it's like very it style. Uh floating through the woods. Yep. And all of a sudden I fell into a hole. A darkened hole. Uh that had been obscured by leaves, the opening. That's right. And and I, of course, I stepped into a pile of leaves. Then my ankle was uh, lassoed by some kind of contraption. I was flung up into the trees. I hit my head on a branch, passed out. Yeah, we both. Well, we both were crunching the leaves. We'd yeah. enjoyed, wa- as we were walking through trailing this balloon, we were having fun stepping on the leaves, trying to get the loudest crunch. Yeah. So shame on us for, I guess, trying to jump on a fun leaf shame, pile. Yeah, shame on us for having fun, I guess. So we both ended up unconscious. Yep. And we uh, we woke up back here in the bunker studio. Yeah, not, not in the bunker living area. No. In the bunker studio. Right. And... Door had been barricaded. Sealed shut. We can't open it. From the outside. Trust us. We thought about trying. Open we, it. We thought through every scenario and none right. of them made sense. That's right. Uh I I I know that Peon Musk and baby David Crosby are okay. Because I can hear them. Right. Peon Musk is Microwaving hundreds of Easy Macs. <laughs> Which we tell him not to do, but, you know, teens. Teens, they love Easy Mac. They, <laughs> they're addicted to them. They're addictive. He has a problem. <laughs> One of his many problems. We just keep reminding we'll him. We'll iron it out of him. We'll iron well, it we out of him. We just keep reminding him. He's, he's, just, not a, he's just a teen. He's not human. So... We have a feeling we know who is behind this. We never saw our abductor. Our Needless to say, it's bringing back memories. Uh, feeling a little down about it. Um, but uh, we are back. We, uh, we, we, we kind of know the drill. This is almost like a Pavlov's dog kind of scenario where when we get locked into a podcasting studio, we kind of know what we need to do. We need to podcast about conspiracy theories, paranormal, the bizarre. I guess. I guess it turns out that we couldn't quit even if we wanted to. We just can't quit you, bunk bunkers. But um, we'll see. We'll see what keeps happening. I don't know. We might have to up our defenses a little bit in the yeah. future. Yeah, I've already started thinking about buying lasers. <laughs> yeah, Andy's thinking about putting together a planetarium laser light show. Which he would spend a little bit more time focusing on security, but oh, he's so obsessed oh, with his, his laser light show that he wants to put on. This is going to be so freaking cool. <laughs> Have you ever seen one of these laser light shows? Oh man, all you got to do is get like a fog machine and some lasers and it's just fucking cool as hell yeah 
play some EDM. Oh my god. <laughs> EDM. Fuck. It'll be fun. Um Peon Musk will love it. Yeah, yeah. He might actually enjoy it. Of course. Um we'll see if baby David Crosby, if it's you know, Probably past his bedtime. Bed past yeah. his bedtime, yeah. Um, but bunk funkers, we will continue with this episode the way that we know how. We'll see what happens. We don't know who's behind our abduction. We have some theories, but we're you know we're we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about it. We're not gonna worry about it. We're family men now. Yeah. We have to worry about our family. Yeah, not who is capturing us and forcing us to podcast. Right. We will do whatever it takes to yeah. keep our family together. That's right. Um, the one thing we can't afford to do is neglect our family. That's true. We have to be there a hundred percent for our family. When you become a member of a family, that's the number one thing: is that you're there for them. No matter what happens, you got to be there for your family. That's right. To love and support them through right. through thick and through thin. That's right. And you have lots of experience with that. Being thick and thin? <laughs> Not neglecting your family. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, this last, this last week I've been like locked yeah. in. Right. To my family. Uh-huh. Well, you know what, Andy? We also can't neglect something else as well, and that's today's bunker alarm recipient. Oh wow, yeah, for some good news. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about today's bunker alarm. Let's talk about it. We got a real, real special uh bunker alarm today. So special. Uh because we're ringing the bunker alarm for our newest, freshest, uh another penultimate tier uh bunk bunker. That's right. Uh so thank you to our brand newest patron, uh, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry. Welcome. Welcome, welcome aboard, aboard the Bunker the bunk, Patreon. Bunk, bunk, Bunktreon. <laughs> Bunktreon. Uh, so Jerry, because uh, we want to show our gratitude to you for being a, uh, uh, a valued supporter of this show, uh, we're going to utilize a sophisticated piece of technology called the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. That's right. And what the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 allows us to do is to play a perfectly synced alarm mm. in your honor, Jerry. That's right. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and get a good alarm here. Okay. And he's going to look it up. Uh, let me see. Make sure that the sounds of the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 are right. turned up. Right. Oh, Ooh, Jesus. Oh. And he has an ice pick. He's picking through glaciers. Something buried in the snow. Oh. Oh, wow. Ooh, look at the water go. Oops. Ooh, God, that doesn't sound right. Oh, here we go. This is a good sound. Oh, there it is. This is a good sound. Uh, okay, Jerry, uh, Art and I are going to do a countdown, although... With a sophisticated piece of technology like this, you don't really need it. No, it's just you don't. fun. Okay. Just fun. Let's have a little fun, everybody. Let's have some fun. So family fun. We're gonna count down for some family fun, Jerry. This bud's for you. Three, two, one. <gasps> Ew! 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 Wow. wow! What a great Incredible. alarm! That was Incredible. a good one. That was a good one. That was a great one, Jerry. 
That was for you. Thank you so much. Thank we you, appreciate Jerry. your support. We appreciate the support. And uh, you know what, Andy? Speaking of support, uh, yeah, I don't know how today's topic supports itself, but it's it's truly an engineering marvel. It's about physics. It's all about physics. physics. And uh, but it might also be about anti gravity and uh, 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 electromagnetic mind technology from a man who discovered some ancient secrets. Maybe it's about me. aliens. Maybe it's about aliens. We don't know, but the Coral Castle holds many a secret down there in Florida. And uh, we're going to give you the whole enchilada on the Coral Castle. Oh, yeah. Right here, right now on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Nobody out enchiladas us. Bunk Funkers, today we're packing up the bunkla, and Peon Musk is getting in the driver's seat to take us on the great American road trip. So hop in, because you're riding. I can't wait to push our feet through the bottom of the bunkla and walk it all the way to bedrock, Andy. Ooh, baby, I'm going to eat so many brontosaurus ribs. This is the trip of a lifetime. Art, what are you talking about? We're going to Florida. To take a boat to Bedrock. Or what? What were you thinking? We're not going to Bedrock. We're not? We're talking about a place that was built with Bedrock. The Flintstones is just a cartoon art. It's not based on real events. Are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? We're not going to Bedrock? I wasted all this time bulking and designing this orange and black tunic, Andy? I was finally going to live my fucking dream of becoming Fred Fred Flintstone? I even made one of those obnoxious Loyal Order of the Water Buffalo hats, Andy. Look! Come on! Andy, I had to breed woolly mammoths by inseminating elephants with mammoth zygotes that I created in my secret lab. I set many of the adolescent mammoths on fire, accidentally trying to recreate the shower from the Flintstones, Andy. And now that I finally got it right, now that I finally stopped setting young mammoths on fire, you tell me there's no bedrock? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I guess that's what's happening. I've been constantly jacking off to Wilma Flintstone for the past six months. All right, moving on. Bunk Funkers, we're headed to Florida today to check out one of the USA's most intriguing destinations. Today, we're visiting the Coral Castle. Now, if you don't know what the Coral Castle is, here's an introductory description from the Bunk Funker who suggested today's topic, our patron, Jeremy G., Jeremy wrote, quote, Florida man Edward Leitzgallen builds elaborate compound out of massive pieces of coral using levitation and forgotten technology consisting of only a wooden tripod, some ropes slash pulleys, and a mysterious black box. He never passed on his techniques before death. Now, how'd he done did that? What's in the box? Parentheses. 
Brad underscore Pitt underscore Kevin underscore Spacey underscore seven dot gif. Close parentheses. End quote. As usual, Jeremy nailed it. Jeremy nailed it better than I would have nailed Betty Rubble if I'd been given the chance. Oh boy. Anyway, the Coral Castle is quite an achievement. And as Jeremy said, it was all the work of one mad, Ed Leedscallon. What's it? Leedscallon. Okay. I got it. It's in my brain now, Bumpers. Leedscallon. The lore of the Coral Castle is inseparable from the lore of Ed Leedscallon. So we got to tell you all about Ed. Now, Right away, we'll point out there is a lot of disagreement and a fair number of things in Ed's life. There's a lot of different versions of parts of Ed's life, so sometimes we'll have to let you know that there are different accounts, okay? And we pretty much have to do this right away because there are conflicting records for Ed's birth date. He was born in 1887 in Latvia, but different dates are given, as well as different birthplaces. The bottom line is, he's Latvian. And not a whole lot is known about Lil Ed growing up in Latvia. His parents were not wealthy elites, and Ed only got a formal education through the fourth grade. As a kid, Ed was sickly, so he spent a lot of time reading books. All this reading gave Ed a curious mind and a desire to learn. Some people believe that after Ed finished his formal schooling, he learned the craft of stonemasonry from his father, which he may have done professionally in Latvia as an adult. Some people even say that Ed came from a line of stonemasons with his grandfather running a stone monument business. You know, like tombstones. An account from Latvia suggests that Ed also learned carpentry and sculpture. Oh, and also that he became a revolutionary and assassinated a baron who mentored him in sculpture. Regardless of the artistic trades he learned or the nobility that he murdered in cold blood, uh, Ed had a watershed moment in his life when he was 26 years old. You see, at 26... Ed was engaged to marry a young person named Agnes Skuvst. Skuvst. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Skuvst. 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 Yeah. Who is sometimes just called Agnes Scuffs. <laughs> Who was, uh, but here's the kicker. Here's the real kicker. Agnes was 10 years Ed's junior, so she was just 16. Literally, she was 16. Yeah. Literally 16. So, um, this was a creepy move by Ed, to be sure. But Agnes decided to break off the engagement only one day before the wedding. Agnes told Ed that she had to break it off because he was too old. But Ed kind of figured she did it because she he was poor and uneducated and had no prospects in life. Don't know what that's like. Whatever the reason, yeah. it was probably for the best, right? Well, especially when you consider that Ed referred to Agnes as his, quote, Sweet 16 uh, for the rest of his life. And if you think that's weird, bunk funkers, get ready <laughs> because we're going to be talking about Ed's Sweet 16 so much this episode. You might start to mistake us for Neil Sadaka and or Chuck Berry. But don't be fooled. It's still us. <laughs> Come on. Get your head in the game, bunk funkers. It's still Andy and Art. <laughs> now, as much all- as we might sound like Neil Sadaka, it's not Neil Sadaka. It's not. <laughs> Now, in all fairness, a Latvian account says that Ed's fiance did actually exist, but her name was not Agnes Skuvts, but was actually uh, Hermine Lucis. Um, and she was actually 24, not 16. Oh, and, you know, this other account also says that they didn't end up marrying because Ed couldn't afford the dowry payment. So again, bunkfuckers, lots of different accounts here. Now, one thing everybody agrees on is that Ed eventually made his way to the U.S. 
<clears throat> the USA. Some say it was after his engagement dissolved, like Ed was running from a broken heart. But some others say Ed was on the run from the Imperial Russian Tsar's secret police force who were hunting Ed for his part in the 1905 Latvian uprising. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Classic, a tale of his oldest time. A tale of his oldest time. Either way, Ed got to New York City on April 7th, 1912. He bounced around the East Coast looking for work until August 1912 when he went uh, west and found work as a logger. On June 5th, 1917, while living in the U.S. state of Oregon, Ed filled out a draft registration and represented that he was self-employed making axe handles, which is such an underrated profession. An axe without a handle isn't really an axe at all, is it? No, Andy, it's not. But I suppose you could put an axe head in the mouth of a lanky bird, spitball in here, like a heron, and then swing the heron like an axe. That's what Fred Flintstone would yabba-dabba-do. God, I want to be fucking Fred Flintstone so bad. It's just not fucking fun. Anyway, 1920 census data shows that Ed lived in Reed Sport, uh, Reed Sport, uh, Oregon at the time. Now, Reed Sport is a small town in Oregon nestled along the, uh, um, um, the Umpqua. 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 Umpqua River. Uh, Reed Sport is pretty close to the Pacific Coast and is home to the Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area, another road trip destination for our little family. Of course, Bunkfunkers, there's some disagreement about Ed's timeline at this point in his life. Again, we promise you, we ain't liars. We're going to say there's some disagreement quite a bit. When the draft registration and the census provided some document, um, some documentary evidence of Ed's whereabouts at those point. The Coral Castle website says that Ed also lived in Canada, California, and Texas. Then Ed got tuberculosis and decided to move to a more desirable climate to help with his condition. So according to the Coral Castle website, Ed moved to the U.S. state of Florida in 1918. Settling in a the creatively named Florida City, where he lived until 1936. Ed went from New York City to Florida City, baby! Good observation, Art. Ed did move indirectly from New York City to Florida City. I can tell you've been paying attention. True. And Art, you make a good point about there being disagreement about this part of Ed's life. According to the book Coral Castle, The Mystery of Ed Leedskullen and His American Stonehenge, Ed moved to Florida in the winter of late 1922 or early 1923. As with other accounts, the move was because Ed was diagnosed with tuberculosis, though the book points out the diagnosis might have been incorrect. Uh, once in Florida, Ed bought an undeveloped plot of land in Florida City, which was then just starting to develop. Ed was profiled on the TV series In Search Of, uh, which f first aired in 1977, or 1973 if you count the pre-series specials, and is still running at the time of this recording in its second revival. The original run of the series, not counting the pre-series specials, was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, a.k.a. Dr. Spock from Star Trek. It's worth mentioning that Nimoy is sporting a rugged, handsome mustache during the Coral Castle episode, which aired during season five. Was he ever, Andy? Ooh, baby, he looked like a regular Roberto Roccolini with that excellent stash. Good. Yeah, I guess so. Ah, damn. Gave me a little Vulcan salute, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Live long and prosper. Yeah, well, I live long and prosper, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I live fucking I live fucking hard and prosper, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, long and hard. <laughs> okay. 
Here's how In Search Of described Ed's early time in Florida. One day, a man named Reuben Moser was driving around, scouting for land, when he came upon a small stranger along the road. Moser stopped and offered the little man a ride. The little fellow was Ed Leedskillen, who told Moser that he was a Latvian immigrant and was in search of a particular plot of land. While driving, Moser also became aware that Ed was ailing with tuberculosis. Moser took Ed back to his house, where Moser and his wife helped Ed recover from his TB. Ed's case of TB was supposedly supposed to be terminal, so this was quite a recovery. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's incredible. But again, he might not have had TB at all, so maybe it's not all that miraculous. We don't know. While staying with the Mosers, Ed told them he'd been looking all over the country for the perfect plot of land for his, quote, sweet 16. Oh, God. Oh, no. He's, he's going to build some sort of attraction to draw in sexy teens. I wish I could say obviously not, but I guess I really can't. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, after getting over his TB, Ed rode around on his old rusty bike looking for plots to build whatever he had in mind. He could often be seen using a rod or a stick to prod the ground. The Florida City locals observed Ed doing this and then started saying things like, there goes crazy Ed on his dumbass bike, or stupid weirdo Ed is out there poking at the ground again. Maybe he's looking for buried treasure. Ed seemed even weirder when he passed over plots of good farmland without ever giving a reason why. Some people think Ed was so picky about the plot because he was dousing to find some special properties in the property. Personally, I think Ed was doing just a little dousing combined with other land scouting techniques. It's a practice I call micro-dousing. I don't know what's worse, Ed's obsession with Sweet 16 or that joke. No, it's definitely the teen lust. You win this round, Andy, but just barely. Because you got beat out by a pedophile. Ooh. It was my only chance. The only Your thing, only chance. The only thing worse than me. So eventually, Ed found just the right plot of land. Now, in In Search of, the show describes it as, quote, the worst acre in the state, end quote. Apparently, the plot was not useful at all for farming because it was all bedrock, but not, not like the Flintstones bedrock, <laughs> just like plain old bedrock. Anyway, the land was actually owned by his old friend, Reuben Moser, who agreed to sell it to Ed. And the media even recorded the sale with the Homestead Enterprise newspaper publishing a notice on February 27th, 1923, which read, quote, E. Leedskillen, a Californian, has purchased an acre of the R.L. Moser Homestead and is planning to erect a home soon. Quote, did you notice that, bunkfuckers? They said a Californian. Hmm? Might California. give us a little evidence. California. <laughs> anyway, according to In Search Of, the Mosers went to visit Ed on his plot a few weeks later, just to see what he was up to. They found that Ed had cut a 10-ton block of bedrock from the ground and had the block suspended by a tripod. This kind of behavior got the attention of the locals, who also came to visit Ed to see what he was doing. And he continued to cut more blocks from the bedrock. Now, allegedly, Ed stopped working whenever people came by and he never told them why he was doing what he was doing. The secrecy made some people start to spy on Ed. Allegedly, Ed was seen moving rocks in mysterious ways. Maybe even through levitation. But also, allegedly, Ed could sense when he was being watched, and he was a, he was a shy little fella. 
so he'd make sure nobody saw too much of his work. This turns out to be uh, kind of a theme with Ed's work. People claim he was very secretive and nobody ever saw him working. And yet there's pictures and film of him working and some people who say they saw him in action. Again, there's a lot of varied accounts here with this story, okay? So all the accounts agree on something, though. Ed would work for the rest of his life building a huge structure out of these blocks of bedrock. Initially, he called his work Ed's Place, then later changed the name to Rock Gate. According to Ed, this massive construction was dedicated to that sweet girl who left him all those years ago. Very cool, very healthy. That's how you win them back. That's how you get it. The incredible thing about Coral Castle is that Ed pretty much built it all by himself, working mostly at night. Now, if you're like me and you immediately discount any other person's achievements, you're going to want to listen up because this is actually pretty impressive. Ultimately, Ed quarried and sculpted over 1,100 tons of oolite limestone, uh, that is the bedrock, in the making of Coral Castle. It's worth mentioning that oolite, oolite is uh, prevalent in Florida. It's a sedimentary rock made up of small spherical grains of carbonate and sometimes it has fossilized shells and coral in it. In Florida, there's usually not much topsoil above the oolite, so that uh, probably explains Ed poking the ground with a stick when he was looking for a piece of land. He was just looking for a place with lots of bedrock and not much topsoil. Anyway, the largest block in the structure weighs 30 tons all by itself, and the tallest blocks are 25 feet tall each. The largest block is more than twice as big as the largest block used in the Giza Pyramids construction, and the tallest blocks are taller than the tallest rocks at Stonehenge. This is a historically large project. So much so that some wags have dubbed Coral Castle the eighth wonder of the world. According to legendary author, explorer, and lover David Childress, Coral Castle is said to be the only modern megalithic structure ever built. And let me tell you, bunkfunkers, this isn't just a bunch of goddamn rocks thrown around South Florida. No, no, no. Ed was actually a craftsman. There's, there's no mortar in Coral Castle. All the blocks fit and stay together just through their own force. Okay? The attention to detail was so high that no light passes through the joints where the blocks are connected. The eight-foot-tall stones in the outer wall have a uniform height despite weighing more than five tons each. And even though Coral Castle was constructed more than 50 years ago, the stones haven't shifted. This place was built like a, a, a castle made of limestone. Wow, yeah, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> now, here's some of the features that Ed incorporated into the Coral Castle. There is a two-story tall castle tower where Ed kept his personal living space. There is a accurate sundial, a telescope aligned with Polaris, the North Star, a 28-ton obelisk. There's a fountain. There's plenty of references to and carvings of stars and planets and lots of different furniture that Ed built himself. There is a 500-pound valentine to Agnes Skumpf's in the form of a heart-shaped table. Aw, sweet. Creepy. <laughs> a Florida-shaped table, a 25... There's 25 rocking chairs, a bathtub, beds, and of course, I mean throne yeah. it is a castle after all Andy. yeah you need you gotta, a throne gotta have a throne you're the king now to accomplish all of this ed really only used basic tools he wasn't a wealthy man so it's not like he could afford crazy sophisticated cutting edge equipment instead he made use of things like reclaimed wood and old car parts but how exactly ed built his monumental structure is still a mystery people who knew ed said he didn't answer questions about how he built the park 
If you asked Ed, he'd just change the subject by showing off his electrical machine or by getting in the bath and talking about the water levels and how it was heated by the sun. You know, typical small talk. Anytime somebody starts a conversation with me, I get in the bath. Yeah, I immediately change it to how my bathtub is heated by the sun. That's, That's what everybody talks about. Now, another famous anecdote about Ed and his secret construction methods is that if you asked Ed about the building of Coral Castle, he would tell you that he understood the laws of weight and leverage and that he knew the secrets of the people who built the pyramids. Still, other people report that Ed told them that building something like Coral Castle was, quote, not difficult if you know how, end quote. While Ed has become sort of uh, legendary secretive, uh, has become sort of a legendarily secretive about his building techniques, he did open Coral Castle to public tours, charging only 10 cents, just one-tenth of a dollar, to have Ed personally show you around the Coral Castle grounds. Some locals remembered later that as children, they took field trips to Coral Castle while it was still under construction. They say that Ed personally told them about some of his methods for building the place. Keep saying it, bunkfunkers. A wide variety of accounts. While just building Coral Castle was a pretty big feat, Ed accomplished another incredible task when in the mid-1930s, he drove, he moved the whole castle to a different town. Depending on which version of the story you prefer, Ed had a old truck, or he had a friend who had a truck, or he had a friend with a tractor who hauled his truck, old truck bed, whatever. <laughs> and the friend was either Orville Irwin or Bob Biggers. You know, you know, Bob was bigger than Orville. Right, right, right. I mean, this is Orville Irwin and Bob Biggers. Bob was Biggers. Well, Biggers can't be choosers. So anyway, uh, whatever the real story is, uh, Ed loaded up all the blocks. I mean, this is actually incredible. He loaded up all the blocks making up Coral Castle. Again, working pretty much by himself to do this. And the blocks were moved to their new home, a 10-acre plot near Homestead, Florida. Remember, bunkfunkers, these were big rocks. So they had to be moved one by one. The whole move took three years to complete. A big, long time to move. This is coming from a guy who hates moving. Yeah. Obviously, this was a big project. So it's worth wondering why Ed chose to do this. As with so many things related to Ed, there's a few different ideas. In Search Of tells us that Ed's secretive nature caused locals to speculate that Ed was a rich weirdo with a big stish in his castle. So one night, a group of toughs came round when Ed was alone, and these punks attacked Ed, and Ed barely survived. Now, this is a pretty serious story, but God <laughs> damn it. Bunkfunkers, the fight scene recreation of in, in, in Search Of, please check it out, it's in the show notes, is hilarious. So they have their Ed recreation standing there while a few teens, quote-unquote, approach him awkwardly. Then it cuts to these teens around ed in a circle a fairly tight circle like a fucking trust fall circle and they're just kind of gently pushing ed around the whole thing is chef's kiss oh yeah please check it out yeah you have to watch it at any rate in search of finishes the story by saying that the attack convinced ed that he should move and so he did and he took his castle with him and that's a good story with a truly epic recreation Uh, But again, it's not the only version. The Coral Castle website says that Ed relocated because he wanted to maintain his privacy. Apparently, there were discussions happening in Florida City about developing the land around the castle grounds, so Ed packed up to a more secluded locale. Orville Irwin, 
you remember Orville. He's Ed, Ed's friend who may have possibly helped move Coral Castle. Uh, Orville said that Ed started to realize that nobody would come visit Coral Castle at its original remote location outside sleepy old Florida City. So he decided to move somewhere better for tourism. And maybe Orville is on to something here. After the move, Ed started charging 25 cents for tours of Coral Castle. He more than doubled the price. Ed also sold some of his land in Homestead to allow for construction of U.S. Route 1, a major roadway that now goes right by Coral Castle. All that said, Ed also allowed people to visit for free if they had no money. And, of course, Ed continued to lead the tours personally. As a note, apparently Ed invited Agnes Skufst uh, to visit several times, but she never did. Which is weird! You think if you were engaged to a man 10 years older than you while you were a teenager and your engagement got broken by you, that you'd want to visit that man when he was older and after he'd spent his whole life weirdly building a castle as a shrine to you. I mean, it's just a common courtesy. We've all been there and we've all gone and visited the castle that someone has built to the memory of our teenage selves. I mean, this is a common courtship tactic. I don't get what's up. Yeah. It must be a Latvian thing. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Ed was kind of an odd dude, <laughs> if you haven't fucking guessed already. <laughs> and as further evidence of that, his diet pretty much only consisted of crackers and sardines, which is not bad. Oh, the breath on this guy. Oh, man. And as he got older, he started to starve himself. Then on November 9th, 1951, or maybe it was December 4th, 1951, insert obligatory remark about the different accounts here. Ed put a sign on the front gate of Coral Castle that read, going to the hospital. Ed hopped on a bus because he didn't drive. He only rode his little bike and took the bus to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami where he checked himself in. Not surprisingly, doctors found that Ed was very malnourished and under the care of the medical professionals, Ed made a slight recovery, but eventually passed away either three days after checking in or 28 days after checking in at the age of 64. Ed was suffering from... um. Hmm, phylonephritis. Hi, hmm, pylelo, hmm. All right, what is it? I don't know. I would probably say pylonephritis. Pylonephritis and his death certificate said his death was the result of uremia, failure of the kidneys, as a result of infection and abscesses. Abscess. Yeah. Yeah, multiple abscesses. Yeah, he had a kidney infection. Kidney infection. Yeah. Apparently, Ed also suffered a stroke while he was uh, left for the hospital and uh, or while he was at the hospital. We don't know. Different accounts. <laughs> he had a stroke sometime. After Ed died, police searched Coral Castle and found $3,500 in $100 bills in Ed's living quarters. They also found what seemed to be a treasure map. The map was difficult to understand, and the suspected treasure was never located. The headboard above Ed's bed had these words carved, quote, the secret to the universe is 7,129 over 61059195. Uh, what could that mean? I don't know. It's like 0.1%. Uh, Ed did not have a will. So Coral Castle became the property of Ed's closest living relative in the USA, Harry, Ed's nephew who lived in Michigan. According to Coral Castle's website, Harry was very ill when he inherited the castle, so he sold it to a family from Illinois in 1953, not long before his own death. 
This story obviously doesn't agree with a published obituary for a former owner of Coral Castle, Julius Levin, who uh, was also a retired Chicago, Illinois jeweler. According to the obituary, Julius Levin purchased the land on which Coral Castle sits in 1952 in a sale from the state of Florida. The obituary said Levin may not have even known the castle was on the land at the time of purchase. However, it was obtained after getting new ownership, Coral Castle was turned into a tourism destination. This is when the name was changed again from Rockgate, which is what it was called at the uh, time of Ed's death, to Rockgate Park, and then eventually to Coral Castle. In 1984, Coral Castle was added to the National Register of Historic Places. And you can still tour the grounds to this day. And Ed will even give you the tour if you leave a can of sardines in his living quarters. That's that's not an established piece of lore as far as I'm aware. Uh, I'm just making that up. I feel like you're fucking swimming instructor for saying this, but stop mudding the waters with your filth, trash man. This story is confusing enough as is without you, the trash man, coming in here and dropping your dookie ideas all over. Sheesh. I feel like you're friggin' swimming instructor. Trash man. Trash man. How did you know that my swimming instructor calls me trash man? Because I just know if you get into some water, you're going to start muddying it with your filth. Yeah, I don't bathe. Anywho, clearly Ed Leeds Scallon left quite uh, left behind quite a legacy, right? And we're not talking about just Coral Castle itself. No, 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 no. Ed was not just a one-trick pony. During his lifetime, Ed published five pamphlets, which are sometimes called books, on multiple subjects. He even admitted advertised these uh, the pamphlets in the local newspapers. Ed's first and longest pamphlet was called A Book in Every Home. And Ed had Ed's thoughts on raising children, education, and morality. Strangely, on the left-hand pages of the pamphlet uh, were printed, uh, the right-hand pages were, strangely, on the left-hand pages of the pamphlet were printed, the, only the left-hand pages of the pamphlet were printed. Ah, okay, okay, I see. Little typo here in the script. Yeah, yep, typo. Strangely, only the left-hand pages of the pamphlet were printed with the with his words. The right-hand pages were left intentionally blank. Ed wrote the following in the preface. Reader, if for any reason you do not like the things I say in the little book, I just left, I left just as much space as I used so you can write your own opinion opposite it and see if you can do better. Which honestly, what a fucking power move. You think you can write a better book than me? Then do it, you coward. <laughs> now, there is a pretty big reveal in A Book in Every Home, Bunk Funkers. In the book, Ed clarifies what he'd meant all that time by Ed's Sweet 16. Ed wrote, quote, I don't mean a 16-year-old girl. I mean a brand new one. If it had meant a 16-year-old girl, it would have meant at the same time that I made money for the Sweet 16 while she was making love with a fresh boy, end quote. Later, Ed wrote, quote, The sweet 16 had to be a beginner and a likable girl and with a mild disposition. I had to be deserving of her. Everybody's sweet 16 should be so high in one's estimation that no temptation could induce one to act behind her back. I always have wanted a girl, but I never had one. End quote. Now, as you can probably guess, Ed argues that girls start off pure and should be kept pure, uh, which means keeping them away from bad boys who will taint their purity. Ed writes, quote, a girl is to a fellow the best thing in this world, but to have the best one secondhand, it is humiliating. End quote. No sloppy seconds for Ed Leedskallen. Thank you very much. Later in the book, Ed wrote, quote, Having such a case 
the present possessor would have to clean up the past performer's effects. Now you see, to clean up the other person's leavings, it is humiliating, so it would be a cheap and undesirable affair. I want 100% good or none. That's why I was so successful in resisting the natural urge for lovemaking. End quote. This is a pretty revealing passage because it sure seems like Ed had to clean up another man's cum in the past and it turned him into a Volsell. That's what it seems like. <laughs> it seems like. He had to clean somebody else's cum up. I mean, it made him voluntarily celibate. Bunk bunkers, that's pretty much the only conclusion you can draw from this. Yeah. Okay. But there's an additional conclusions. There are additional conclusions, actually, plural, to draw if you continue to read a book in every home. Take this passage, for example. Quote, in case a girl's mama thinks there is a boy somewhere who needs experience, then she herself could pose as an exper experimental station for that fresh boy to practice on and so save the girl. Nothing can hurt her anymore. She just has already gone through all the experience that she can gone through. And so in her case, it would be all right. End quote. Um, <laughs> I think that this tells us that Ed would be fully approving of the wide variety of incest porn available today. Yeah, I think so. He would be all over that. He's... You Gets the Ed Leedsgallon stamp of Indeed. approval. Now, Ed goes on to justify his lust for teen girls by saying this. Everything we do would should be for some good purpose, but as everybody knows, there is nothing good that can come to a girl from a fresh boy. Good Lord. He didn't say good Lord. That's me. That's Art putting that in. <laughs> when a girl is 16 or 17 years old, she is as good as she will ever be. As she will be. But when a boy is 16 years old, he is then fresher than in all his stages of development. He is then not big enough to work, but he is too big to be kept in a nursery and then to allow such a fresh thing to soil a girl. It could not work on my girl. Now I will tell you about soiling. <laughs> now I will tell you about soiling. Anything that is done, if it is done with the right party, it is all right. But when it is done with the wrong party... It is soiling and concerning those fresh boys with the girls. It is wrong every time, end quote. Good Lord. Reading that is like a fever dream <laughs> of disgusting proportions. Uh, then there's a bit of information about Ed's views on education. Quote, now a few words about education. You know we receive an education in the schools from books. All those books that people become educated from 25 years ago are wrong now, and those that are good now will be wrong again 25 years from now. So if they are wrong then, they are also wrong now, and the one who is educated from the wrong books is not educated, he is misled. All books that are written are wrong, the one who is not educated cannot write a book, and the one who is educated is not really educated, but he is misled, and the one who is misled cannot write a book which is correct. The misleading began when our far distant ancestors began to teach their descendants. You know they knew nothing, but they passed their knowledge of nothing to the coming generations, and it went so innocently that nobody noticed it. That is why we are not educated. Now I will tell you what education is according to my reasoning. An educated person is one whose senses are refined. End quote. Now keep that passage in mind because it will be relevant again soon. Uh, after all this, uh, a book in every home goes into the domestic section, which basically tells parents how to raise their children. In this section, Ed dispenses timeless advice like this, quote, the most striking neglect that comes to my attention is when one is smiling. A smile is always pleasing if it is regulated, but without restraint, it is not. 
When smiling, the teeth only should be shown. As soon as you show the gums, it spoils the good effect. When showing the gums, you are doing triple harm. First, the gums never look good. Second, you are making two big creases in the side of your mouth. And third, your lips come too wide apart. Especially should a girl be careful not to show too abnormally big mouth. Girls should do nothing that would impair their best looks. I have seen moving picture stars, public singers, and others with their mouths open so wide that you would think the person lacks refinement. But if they knew how bad it looks, they would train it out. End quote. Uh, and honestly, most of the domestic section is about how children smile. And I wish that that were a joke. But it's not. So after many words spent on how to get children to smile properly. Jesus. Ed, Ed gets into his political views in the political section. Ed started out strong by pointing out that the only good ideas are the ideas that are always good, regardless of the time or circumstances. Bold statement. <laughs> and if it's not a good idea, if it's not a good idea on those incredibly rigid parameters, it ain't worth thinking about, baby. <laughs> Ed wrote the following, quote, before I say anything about the government, let's establish a base for reasoning. All of our ideas should produce good and lasting results, and then anything that is good now would have been good in the past, and it will be good in the future, and it will be good under any circumstances. So any idea that does not cover all this broad base is no good, end quote. Later, Ed made a pretty good point about the role of government. He said the following, It has been told to you that the government is for the purpose of protecting, quote, life and property, but it is really to protect property and life. Nobody wants your life, but everybody wants your property. <laughs> it also wrote about voting and said that only people who pay taxes should get to vote. And if you pay more taxes, you get more votes. Maybe eh, either way, your vote should count more. Uh, Ed also wrote, quote, anyone who is too weak to make his own living is not strong enough to vote. A book in every home wraps up with this passage. Quote, Nobody can eat for you, and so it is that you, so, so it is that, and so it is that if you want the things to eat, you will have to produce them yourself. And if you are too weak, too lazy, and lack machinery and good management to produce them, you should perish. And that is all there is to it. End quote. Yeesh. I don't care who you are. That's just some good old-fashioned social Darwinism right there. Get her done. Yeah, yeah, the next three pamphlets written by Ed are pretty straightforward, kind of. Uh, they're all about magnetism. Uh, Ed got interested in a general theory of magnetism, did a bunch of experiments on magnetism, and started telling people that he was on the verge of a research breakthrough. He published his breakthrough in the pamphlet Magnetic Current. It was followed by Magnetic Base and Cosmic Force. Now, Bunk Funkers, you know this already, but it bears repeating, Art and I are not eggheads. We're going to try to describe this to you, but we're not magnetism experts, okay? No, no, no. We have zero magnetism. Nobody's attracted to us. Magnets. How the fuck do they work? Well said. Ed's idea was basically that uh, everything is made up of magnets. Okay. Like, if I wrote these pamphlets, that would be my thesis. Everything is magnets. End of pamphlet. Everything is magnets. Luckily for you, Ed knew more what he was talking about than I do, so he expanded on that idea. There are individual North and South Pole magnets, uh, which are subatomic in size. Ed said that all matter was being acted on by these itty-bitty magnets, which Ed believed were the main energy carrier, not the electron particle. 
And this really was a holistic theory of magnetism too. Ed wrote, quote, Magnets in general are indestructible. For instance, you can burn wood and flesh. You can destroy the body, but you cannot destroy the magnets that hold together the body. They go somewhere else. Iron has more magnets than wood, and every different substance has a different number of magnets that hold the substance together. If I make a battery with copper for positive terminal and beef for negative terminal, I get more magnets out of it than when I used copper for positive terminal and sweet potato for negative terminal. From this, you can see that no two things are alike. End quote. Ed said that scientists at the time weren't doing the proper research to better understand electromagnetism. As you might have guessed from the earlier quote about education, Ed believed that modern science was misguided and lacked proper foundational understanding of the universe. Ed's final pamphlet was called Mineral, Vegetable, and Animal Life, and it contained, <laughs> it contained I don't know, it's just a funny title to me, <laughs> Ed's views on the life cycle. Ed wrote the following, quote, I can see tiny lightning in my eyes if I close the eyelids and give the, a side push to the eyeball from the nose outward, but I could not do it every day. When I keep eating more for some time, then I can see the tiny lightning while my eyes are open. What the fuck? <laughs> All that I have to do is to turn my head from one side to the other side. This shows that we have in our body the same kind of magnets that are making the big lightning in the sky, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's all about magnets, baby. Magnus, baby. <laughs> in light of these other pamphlets, it's pretty surprising there wasn't more written about magnets in a book in every home. Those magnets aren't pure enough to make an appearance in that book. They're circulating through all matter. That ain't pure. Get her done. <laughs> Get her done. Okay. Well, anyway, one thing Ed's pamphlets failed to do was to definitively uncover the mystery in the construction of the Coral Castle. And even in the decades since Ed's death, people have continued to be enchanted by its creation. It's become a part of pop culture, even. Uh, Billy Idol recorded a song called Sweet Sixteen, which was based on Ed's story of lost love. The music video for Sweet Sixteen was recorded on the Coral Castle grounds in 1986. But even if you study the music video for Sweet Sixteen intently for hours on end, watching it loop and loop and loop until you pass out, you still won't understand how Ed built Coral Castle, believe me. <clears throat> the lack of uh, definite construction methods has led to a lot of speculation about how Ed... Got her done? I guess so. <laughs> That's funny right there. So people have often wondered uh, how Ed Leedskellen, a man standing at five feet tall and weighing just over 100 pounds, could have moved all them big rocks all by his lonesome. How could one man described by In Search Of as, quote, a frail little hermit, end quote, summon the power to put a 30-ton block in place by himself? Many people have speculated that Ed might have unlocked some kind of technological or scientific solution to help him construct Coral Castle. Appearing on the hit television program Ancient Aliens, Rusty McClure, a co-author of Coral Castle, The Mystery of Ed Leedsgallon and His American Stonehenge, was uh, said it was not possible for Ed to move the large blocks comprising Coral Castle with just a tripod and chains and simple tools. Heck, Ed might not have even been able to build Coral Castle by himself, uh, even if he did have fancy equipment. In search of, hired some guys from a rock quarry to come uh, cut and lift a big block of oolite limestone, uh, the very same used in Coral Castle's construction. The crew took several hours just to cut the block, and to get it out of the bedrock, they had to use the force of an excavator. 
They also had a hard time lifting and moving the rock. And one of the crew said uh, there was no one, there was uh, no one person could have built Coral Castle. Even with a modern crew and equipment, the blocks would have to be smaller than they are in the castle. According to Rusty McClure, Ed describes gravity as a magnet in the magnetic current pamphlet. So uh, uh, one were able to, if one were able to reverse the magnetic flow, the gravity would reverse and the rock basically lifts itself. Obviously, the implication here is that Ed might have constructed some type of anti-gravity machine to do just that. As Rusty points out, in some of the photographs that uh, exist of Ed working, a black box can be seen on top of a tripod used to lift blocks. Rusty thinks the black box might be the key to Ed's anti-gravity machine. Now, for what it's worth, Scott Russell, who uploaded a video on Ed's methods to YouTube in 2015 to the Made by One Man channel, believes the black box was a car battery, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, Andy, maybe Rusty isn't that far off, actually, because Ed's personal journals say that Ed discovered ancient technology to make the huge blocks weightless. And maybe Ed accomplished that through the power of magnetism. Even an actual egghead, MIT professor Sarah Seeger, no relation to Bob that we know of. That we know of. They're spelled differently, so not that we know of. Not that we know of. Said that levitation is the only way to hold up very heavy objects. Levitation, in this case, being magnetic levitation. This is the same kind of technology that uh, would be used to allow high-speed high trains to hover above the tracks. Now, that's all well and good, but there's not really good evidence that Ed actually used magnetic levitation to build the castle. After all, there's no real equipment around that leads you to that conclusion. But what if Ed didn't need a piece of technology because the power was within the rocks the whole time, huh? How about that? Do you ever think? Maybe the Oolite limestone used in the construction of Coral Castle had some sort of special properties that Ed discovered and exploited in construction. As we already mentioned, Oolite can contain fossilized coral. In, in Search Of floats the idea uh, that maybe, quote, brain coral is more than just a name and suggest that maybe the rocks contain some sort of secret ancient knowledge that Ed tapped into. Former airline pilot Bruce Cathy, whom um, we talked about actually briefly in our uh, Ley Lines episode, check it out, believed the Earth is teeming with a grid of harmonic energy. Kathy believed that Coral Castle was built on a very special spot of harmonic resonance where gravity is limited. Here's actually a quote from Kathy's book, The Energy Grid. Quote, at certain positions on the globe, there are uh, lo localities where the forces of gravity can be manipulated by the application of certain geometric harmonics. Coral Castle, I believe, occupies one of these positions. Where these geometric conditions exist, it is possible for people who know how, to use gravitational forces to construct great buildings of massive material. Quote. Now, some ancient astronaut proponents believe that Ed was in contact with extraterrestrials, aliens, who could give him the knowledge to build Coral Castle. These folks believe that, uh, that it could be what Ed meant when he talked about uh, knowing the secrets of the pyramid builders. Well, these explanations are pretty cool and way far out, man. Some people believe that Ed's methods were much more uh, usual. For example, a man named Earl S. Lee claimed he saw Ed, quote, use a small telephone pole, end quote, to pry rocks out of a ditch. Hmm. Yeah, that's not, that's not as fanciful. No. 
Yeah, well, we mentioned Scott Russell a moment ago, and here is Scott again. Welcome back, Scott. Scott thinks he figured out how Ed done it, and he even tried some of the suspected methods himself to show that they would work. According to Scott, Ed started by building a tripod. Then Ed cut the oolite. Scott says the limestone can be cut with a wood saw or relatively easily using a machine. Scott believes that the cutting tool Ed used was a large iron door, which is on the castle grounds today. Scott believes Ed's method uh, was to set a tripod over the area to be quarried. Ed used a wheelbarrow slash dolly type thing uh, to move the legs of the tripod into position. Then Ed would get the iron cutting plate, uh, that is the door, uh, Ed hooked the door up to a hit-and-miss reciprocating engine with a locomotion attachment and let it rip to start cutting. Ed also used chisels uh, for some of the finer work and wedges hammered into the cuts to break the rock free. To move the blocks, Ed used wood rollers and a come-along. Scott believes Ed then used a sculpting machine designed in pre-World War I Europe to shape the blocks. According to Scott, the machine was powered by several car batteries. Scott also says that Ed used car batteries not only for this machine, but also to light the site so Ed could work at night. Wow, move over, Billy Idol. We have a new Coral Castle poet. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, according to Scott, there were like 20 old car batteries at Coral Castle, and they were all hooked up to each other. Uh, Ed had an aerial network of cables with the batteries in between, like, uh, you know, on top of the tripods. So he could have could have a stream of electricity anywhere on the castle grounds. Ed used old car headlights to provide light for the specific areas where he was working because all the batteries were hooked together. Ed could also charge them all simultaneously with one generator. Pretty efficient. Yeah. According to Scott, there's a magnetic flywheel assembly on the castle grounds that has confused a lot of people over the years. Scott points out that it, in magnetic current, Ed talks about building such a machine as a generator. In fact, Ed says he's built 10 such machines. But don't bother trying to build it yourself because he already submitted a patent application. Too late, you vultures. Anyway, Scott ignored Ed's warning and built a replica of Ed's magnetic flywheel machine. Oh, God damn it, Scott. Scott. Fuck. Scott believes that Ed used the, this machine with the aid of the car batteries to power cutting and sculpting tools. This way, Ed spent most of his manual effort in moving the blocks rather than shaping them. Um, the flywheel machine, Ed believes, could be fitted with different attachments for different jobs. And not even just doing one job at that. Scott thinks the machine could have been used to do several different jobs at the same time. Interestingly, Scott believes that, quote, Sweet 16 might actually not refer to Agnes Skumpst. Or virg virginal, virginal purity. Virginal. Vaginal and virginal purity. Uh, but actually to this machine, the machine had 16 magnets and used 16 gauge wire. So Scott thinks that maybe Coral Castle truly was the home for Ed's sweet 16 machine. Wow. So I guess Ed wanted to fuck that machine, huh? He sure did, Art. But hey, if you were a horny Volcel, you would too. Yeah. Well, let's peek behind the curtains here, okay? Eventually, people were able to get a view of Ed's methods up close, and they kind of reveal a bit of ingenuity, to be sure, uh, but nothing paranormal. Uh, what I'm talking about is one of Coral Castle's more famous features, a 9-ton, 8-foot-tall revolving gate, which was so expertly balanced that even a weak, dumb child could move it with a finger. The gate was a marvel, and people wondered at the ease with which it moved, and Ed's craftsmanship, of course. 
Well, many years after Ed died in 1986, to be exact, the gate stopped turning. So the owners of Coral Castle called some folks out to work on it. It took six buff, sexy men and a beautiful, elegant 50-ton crane to remove the gate. With the gate removed, the workers finally learned the gate's secrets. Ed drilled a hole from the top of the gate to the bottom and inserted a metal shaft. Then he set the gate into an old truck wheel bearing, which is part of the wheel assembly that allows the truck's wheel to spin while also supporting the truck's weight. So there you go. It's a pretty smart method and uh, definitely showed a lot of skill in the craftsmanship uh, because, again, uh, this is a big block and it's it's set in the doorway pretty perfectly. But at the end of the day, you don't need E.T. to bring you a wheel bearing. In fact, the workers uh, who came to fix the gate brought one. They replaced the bearing and shaft and put the gate back in place. The gate failed again in 2005 and was once again repaired, but apparently it doesn't spin as easily as it once did. Boy, they just don't make repurposed automobile parts for giant stone gates like they used to. Okay, I guess. So, for the skeptics' take on Ed's magical wonderland dedicated to the virginal purity of underage girls, we'll turn to Benjamin Radford, a writer and skeptic. In a piece for Live Science, Radford writes that Ed was probably telling the truth all along and that the secret of Coral Castle, and that is the secret of Coral Castle, that Ed understood weight and leverage and built Coral Castle using principles that were used to build the pyramids. Frankly, most scholars believe the pyramids were built with well-applied manpower. Check out our episode on the Great Pyramid of Giza for more on that topic. Bradford also points out that Coral Castle is often billed as so mysterious that scientists can't explain how Ed did, did done what he did, done, done what he did, done. But Radford says there's no evidence that any legitimate scientist has ever studied Coral Castle and that everybody knows that not doing something isn't the same as not being able to understand something. It's not that I don't understand how to engage another human being in pleasant and non-awkward social interactions. It's just that I choose not to, okay? It's my choice. I'm not, I'm not a crippling weirdo. I'm not cripplingly weird to every person I meet just because I can't help it. This is how I want to be. Redford sums up the Coral Castle mystery way better than Andy could. <laughs> just a little dig at, my, at your co-host there. By saying, uh, quote, many mystery mongers arrogantly assume. Okay, yeah, he says that way better than you could have said. (laughs) (laughs) Arrogantly assume that those living in earlier times, such as Lee Scallon or the ancient Egyptians, were not clever or resourceful enough to possibly have created impressive engineering feats without extraterrestrial aid or mysterious powers. This view betrays an ignorance uh, of history and sadly underestimates... uh, underestimates human ingenuity. It seems likely that if scientists haven't explained the Coral Castle specifically, it's because there's little to no explain. It's because there's little to explain. The Coral Castle mystery seems to be simply a matter of poorly informed people who reject a mundane reality in favor of a fanciful myth. Quote. But hey, bunk funkers, you're just like Ed Leeds Scallon's neighbors. Here you are, listening to Art and I, all the while choosing to believe the fanciful myth that we contribute anything positive to society at all. Meanwhile, the fact of the matter is staring you in the face. We're obnoxious simpletons who have committed grave crimes against culture. But sometimes it's more fun to believe in something wild and crazy 
Not everybody wants to live in the dull reality of life. Some of us, not me, of course, want to keep the magic in this world alive. Because you never know, it might just turn out that the fanciful myth was the truth all along. What do you believe, bunk funkers? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that we've all constructed a mental fortress as a sign of devotion to the one that got away. We sit there in our tower, dreaming about the day when our beloved will return. Sure, we worked hard and we erected this monument, but there's always this longing, this void that needs to be filled. Ultimately, we're all just waiting for the day when it comes back to us and we can be together in our castle. So please, the whole enchilada, come on home and live forever with us in our mind tummies. Amen. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art... Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod. It's so chilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Hey, Bunk Bunkers, that was our research of the Coral Castle. Coral Castle. Coral. Coral. Your castle, Coral. People still doing that meme? Walking Dead? That show is still around. I know you've never seen it. That show's still on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's still, like, the entire, the main character has left, like, all the, you're like almost the entirety of like the original characters are gone. It's crazy, but it's got a rabid fan base. Um, oh no, oh no, a rabid fan base. Oh, they're zombies. Are they zombies? They're fucking zombies, dude. They got the disease. Is that what happened? Was that why there's zombification in the the Walking Dead world? No, disease? I think the Walking Dead uh, is a. Actually, it's apropos to society it's it's like you everybody has the zombie disease and it's just when you die you turn into a zombie like the zombie disease lives it's a disease and it, everybody's infected with it but it's dormant in your body until you die so, so just everybody's a zombie yeah when they die yeah okay oh let's fucking jump so there's never a time in the world of um of the living dead when there were no zombies. The walking dead? 
what did I say? The Living Dead? I don't know. I don't know how it started. I think it just sort of happens. Um, There was a time. Oh, I see. So it's not like this is a thing about humanity that everybody has the zombie disease. No. The dis- time. And then when people die, they become zombies. So there's just always been zombies. No. It, modern times, the disease happened. Oh, I see. But everybody gets it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Andy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was uh, Art was Explains How dead. Zombie Movies Work to Andy. A fucking pretty pretty easy to understand genre of uh, movie. <laughs> well, I'm just asking. I don't know the lore. Stop asking questions. Because I got a question for you. And it's important, Andy. It's an important fucking question. Okay. Do you like coral? <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, I guess. You have coral fan? Uh, Coral's weird. Um, it's just like shit growing to the ground. It's all hard and shit. Yeah, cuts I'm, up your feet. I mean, uh, I'm not. I got nothing against coral. I guess some of it looks pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, as a as like a polo shirt color, coral is okay. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, bunk funk. You know, coral, salmon. They're kind of in that yeah. pinkish type of uh, hue. Hue. Um. And I don't know how well I feel about them. You know, it's like like kind of that halfway between like a red or an orange and a pink. Uh, bug fuckers, Andy, uh, uh, you know, none of you know this, but I know this because I know Andy. Um, he only wears basically polo shirts and then occasionally maybe a sweater. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen Andy in a button down shirt. I could probably count it on one hand. And he does not like button-down shirts. He wears polos, polo shirts, and sweaters. That's it. And t-shirts occasionally. Yeah. But mostly polos. Yeah, mostly polos. You're actually, you're incredibly well-known for how much you wear polo shirts. Yeah, it's probably the most famous thing about me, which I think says a lot about everything else. (laughs) 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 Well... Because you got some stuff to work on, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Never thought of it that way before. God. I hope when I die, um, they look at my achievements and somebody describes me as a frail little hermit. (laughs) What a, what a fucking, what a nut. I mean, Ed's lucky that people don't just straight up describe him as a pedophile. Yeah, really. I I mean, mean, because I guess there's no, I see no claims that he actually diddled children. That's true. Uh, it, we and also the fact that he lusted after a sixteen-year-old might not even be true. Right? Yeah, she could have been twenty-four. Um, but then again, walking around saying my sweet sixteen, you're kind of setting yourself up to, and then writing it you're in a book, opening the door, writing it in a book. You wrote it in a book. You're giving people probable cause that saying, "Oh wow, no, my sweet sixteen, this thing that I'm obsessed with is just virginal purity." That's true. And by the way, when a girl is older than seventeen. She's not as good as she was when she was 16 This guy's like the original incel. <laughs> See, I thought about it as being like an incel, but in a way, he kind of says he does. He, he refrains from sex. Like, he doesn't seem to blame women. Oh, he's not involuntary. Right. He's voluntary. He's a volcel. Yeah. Um, That or, I mean, this guy really just fucking... Loved that MTV show, My Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> yeah, My Super Sweet Sixteen. Really That's all this that was show. about. That could have been the whole thing. Big 16th birthday parties. You know, there was much more, I think, uh, in the past. Ed's obviously, you know, born in the 19th century. Um, 
he's uh i think there was definitely more of a tolerance in the past for culture of yeah. older men being involved with teenage girls well people um, people's people their ages were uh you were more adult like younger because people didn't live as long and then also like just because it's the way society was you like you know you just kind of got to work yeah and i mean i'm not i don't want to make it sound like i'm justifying that no, i think not. that it's gross right. um you know uh it's like uh but this is like i feel like this is like uh you know like adult musicians in like the the 60s making music for teens playing concerts for teens it's like well yeah they were probably having sex with teenagers after the shows or maybe he was me it's me jerry seinfeld yeah i built my 16 year old high school girlfriend that i dated after seinfeld i built her a castle <laughs> made a coral Kramer, it's made a coral Kramer. I discovered the secrets of the pyramid through the Anunnaki. Wow. They taught me. They taught me how to use anti-gravity to build a castle for my 16-year-old girlfriend. Whoa. Jerry Seinfeld's out there dating teens and Michael Richards out there you know, <laughs> dropping in slurring, slurring ra racial slurs everywhere. At least we have Jason Alexander. Yeah. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I love Veep. Veep was good. Never saw the end of it. Never saw the last. What the season. fuck? <laughs> you gotta finish things when you start them, Andy. Ah, there's too much of a gap. I get, I get distracted. Then you just gotta, I gotta gap. binge it. I gotta go well, back. That's and why binge. you got hit by a train in See, London. This is why you minding the gap. You binge everything and then you complain because I didn't. But I was watching it live. That's true. Andy got me there. Um, I just think uh, there's this weird like cultural acceptance of like this idolization fetishization of uh teenage girls and it's very weird to me I is don't there yeah that. i guess there is like this idolization of like ooh, and a 16 year old girl is like perfect it's like i don't think so yeah it's fucking it's no fucking offense gross. to 16 year old girls that might be listening to this but i don't think you're as good as you think you are <laughs> fuck you you're going through changes shit's hard for you yeah fuck you don't listen to this show no, nah, I think it's it's just no. like I've we've seen our analytics bunk funkers. We you know ever, this is twenty eight to thirty four year old men mostly. Yeah, yeah, we know. There's very few, there's no young girls listening to this. Uh, hey, no, we still we have we have some you know there's some you know some girls listen to the show. Yeah, yeah, and they're awesome. Yeah, no, I mean not not fifteen year olds though. No, no, right, probably not. No, the Zoomers are not. listening. If you're fifteen year old, I mean, I hesitate to say let us know because that's weird. No, no, no I'm so, not going to say that. So don't. I mean, if you do, it's fine, but I don't want. I don't. <laughs> oh god, I'm not asking. Oh god, for it. we're writing an Ed oh, Scallon type All pamphlet right. right now. This episode's over. <laughs> no, you're right though, Andy. Like. Uh, there's a lot of scandals with musicians. I mean, you're seeing it all the time. Uh, that one comedian, Chris D'Elia. Yeah. Fucking messaging underage girls, wanting to be underage. This yeah. is a a um, weird power. I don't know if it's a power fetish or what kind of uh, thing it is. Uh, yeah. There's this fascination with teens and the, like, purity. And Do some people feel like high school was a good time for them? Yeah, who the fuck are these people? I, you couldn't, there is no sum you could pay me to go relive my high school years. I think it's the opposite. I think it's people who had a 
horrible oh, now that high school like experience and, and now that like, they have power and famous yeah. they want to they live in that fantasy they want to Ed's like oh Agnes you didn't think I was I had no prospects well I got a goddamn fucking castle now that I built with my own <laughs> I'm a king I built it with telekinesis and she's probably like why are you still thinking about me that was 30 fucking years ago you fucking loser yeah drop the virginal purity act I mean it's yeah I, I mean I'm not going to tell people what to do, but don't be a creep about it. Like, obviously, if you're a couple and you're, like, trying to save yourself from marriage, that's fine. That's your fucking prerogative. Just don't, you know, don't be a dick about it. Be a fucking weirdo writing pamphlets. And send them, putting them indoors and saying, well, you can write some notes on the right-hand side if you fucking disagree. It's like, I'll just go, I'll probably just come to your castle. And, uh, oh, you got a pretty nice cool castle over here. It would be a shame if, uh, I don't know, somebody came in with some anti-gravity magnets and knocked it down. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You hear me, Leeds Callen? You hear me, Leeds Callen? Let's just say, let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids. I don't know, Don. I'm just saying, I, uh, I'm just saying, Don. I mean, these uh, ancient astronauts came down, Don. I mean, how, can he ma- how many men could you get to, you know, lift the pyramid up, Don? That's all I'm saying. Don, I don't mean no disrespect. I'm just saying. You think Ed Leedscallon knew uh, Al Capone? (laughs) Yeah. Would they have been in Florida at the same time? They probably both had syphilis. (laughs) No, Ed couldn't have gotten it. Uh, Ed was a strange man. Um, It's no wonder that he is so good at stone cutting because he, and that he was so short because he is clearly a. Uh, like a fantasy dwarf because <laughs> he's good at stone cutting. It's clear that he is a, some kind of Tolkien esque dwarf obsessed with stone. Yeah. And I would and say from, stone. I would say from reading some of his works, it's clear that he speaks his own language. <laughs> yeah, uh, holy shit. That was so hard to read. I mean, I shouldn't be an ass, a jackass cause he was Latvian. So he probably never had formal like education in English. The guy was obviously a pedophile wizard. Uh, yeah. Or we don't know. Allegedly. He came off as kind of like He had that. teen lust, even if he never acted he on it. He had teen lust. Those pamphlets are weird. Talking about children smiling is very much like... And that domestic section, it's pretty much all children smiling. Yeah. It's it, a lot of about children smiling. Uh, that and is how like, to like correct a child's smile. Probably the most incel, volcel thing you can say in life is like talking about women and smiling and their smile and like yeah saying like, that just to the way the celebrities open their mouths too wide right it makes them look bad it's like i mean i you know you can compliment somebody on their smile and their beautiful teeth i'm not saying that bunk yeah. bunkers, but you know what i mean it comes off as a little creepy when but he's hey, like well don't show too much gum but if you do uh, you show too much teeth and your mouth is too wide and you're not pure oh my pure little princess live in my tower of coral Oh, she's so pure. Yeah, if somebody has a nice smile, it's okay if you say, like, I think you have a nice smile. You have a beautiful but, smile. But don't shit on their gums unless they ask you to. <laughs> and you're okay with it. You know, you should really smile more, my dear. Hello, my beautiful ba- little baby, my pure little virgin princess. Smile you should smile me. more. Smile more for me. You should smile more, my Agnes. My Agnes. My scoomfst. My scoomfst. <laughs> Scoofsty, Muscoofsty, 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 Muscoofsty. 
<laughs> oh, there I go again. Speaking Italian. Muscovsti, Christina Ricci. Ooh, Muscovsti. Um, I'm gonna throw something out there. What do you, do you think? This guy was like a savant. Hmm. And this guy was like a because clearly, like, he's knowledgeable and kind of smart about this stuff. Clearly, all the creepy pamphlets aside, and his teen lust. Um, he obviously knew. He knew he had knowledge in some capacity. I think this guy is just like kind of a gifted engineer type of person. Yeah. Like no formal training. Mm. Um, he worked as a logger. So he learned about how to like move big, heavy things that you shouldn't, you know, you probably wouldn't be able to move. Like right. he's out there, you know, with he, in big timber country big in timber. Oregon and maybe in California. Right. Uh, you know, allegedly he also worked as a ranch hand in Texas potentially. Mm. So like to me, he comes across as just like, a guy who's gifted at engineering, uh, he's got like a mind for fiddling with things. Um, but you don't think he's like a savant? I, I mean, I don't know where you draw the line of savant. Like, yeah. he feels like one of those kind of savant guys where it's like he's obviously gifted in very one specific area, but he's like totally lacking. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's literally starving himself. In that sense, yeah, okay. I will. I I think that Coral Castle is enough of an achievement that you could probably say, yeah, this guy is like a savant. How did they, uh, what I'm getting kind of confused about is the moving of the truck beds. These are some massive fucking rocks. And like, you've got the in search of people being like, you can't even tow it with a giant tractor. So it's like, how the fuck, how the fuck are they getting these on these trucks? Well, uh, Scott Russell kind of thinks that Ed hooked these, you know, you hook the, you, you basically, it's like he uses old fashioned methods of like getting the block out. He moves the tripod over the area where he's going to start quarrying. And he's got this little thing, this dolly that like gives him leverage to lift the leg of the tripod individually. And then he just sort of shuffles it. And so he like lifts the leg of the tripod, moves it as far as he can move it to where he's trying to go. And he just kind of shuffles the tripod with the block on it. And the tripod holds the weight of the stone, like the rock that evenly. He's, yeah. The rock that he's quarrying. He's like, you know, using this, According to Scott Russell, again, in the video, like he's got a, a motor hooked up to this iron door. The iron door is like doing the cutting. So it's got this locomotion arm. So it's just sliding back and forth, cutting the block when it gets to the point where Ed needs to separate it. Just like people did in like ancient times, he takes wedges along the cut line and he just hammers them in until it breaks free. Hmm. Cause it's like actually these huge blocks, uh, you know, I think that a lot of people have shown like we saw it with the Great Pyramid. We saw it with the 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 Easter Island, uh, the Moai, uh, Rapa the Rapa Nui. They, you can move these big stones without all that much effort. Mm. Uh, it does take manual effort, but like, you know, people always say, "Well, how could you cut it out of there? How could you remove it from the the bedrock?" But it's like if you're just patient and you like tap. He literally in. didn't do anything else. Yeah, he didn't even eat. Yeah, he didn't have a family. He didn't have anything. No, no job. Yeah, he just. Sat there and did it all day long, every day for his entire life well, until he fucking to died. To be fair, every night, which, you know, people say, oh, that's secretive. But he was probably doing it just to get out of the heat. He's in South Florida. It's like, it's a tropical almost climate in South Florida. So he just worked at night because it was cool. Yeah. You wouldn't do this, you wouldn't do this hard work in the hot sun. I wouldn't. And he came up with a good idea. 
I mean, to me, it makes sense. Hook up a bunch of car batteries. You can, you got wires going across the whole thing. You have these tripods already set up. So everything's out of the way. Yeah. All the wiring. You can just hook up old car lights. They'll run all night on these batteries. All you got to do is like have one back at the end that you can hit with a generator and it will charge the whole thing. Like it's pretty ingenious. It's smart. I mean, he's smart, but nothing that they see there is like out of control. Like the magnetic flywheel is the weirdest thing, but it's from like an old car too. So it's got like 16 magnets on it. And it's like the magnetic thing is what keeps it like spinning. How did the trucks move the stuff though is my question. Oh yeah. Sorry. I got distracted by everything else. But yeah, uh, you went on a fucking little little pamphlet tangent there. Well, it's just start a, talking about vaginal purity. It's just a truck. It's like he hooked it up either. Either he had a friend with a truck. But how did the truck carry the stones? Just drove. It could carry those big ass stones? Yeah. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> in the fucking in search of, it's like the, the tractor can't even like lift this giant stone. And I'm like, how the fuck is it? I guess like a truck is different. Yeah. Because all, all Ed's doing is like probably walking the tripod over the truck. Then he just lowers, you know, using the pulley or the winch or whatever is like at the top of the tripod. He just lowers the block on to the truck bed and then the truck drives away. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. How did people build fucking massive ships Yeah, and, back in the day? It's like they did piece by piece with manpower and ingenuity. And they well, just, and look, he moved all those blocks from one place to another. It took yeah. three years. Yeah. Like true. when you think about it, it's not that's like true. it's not like he did this in a month. Right. It took him three, three years. Like if you really think about that, that, you know, you're like, oh, three years. But that's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. And um, especially, like you said, Every day, like the, the, he had nothing else to do. <laughs> well, he got some money from somewhere, and he, I don't, yeah, he mostly made his money from tours, which obviously is not making a huge amount of income. Uh, but yeah, then but he made some more money when he sold part of his land to build US Route One. Oh, that's right. So, the, when the government bought that land from him, he made some money off of that deal. So, that's the speculation is that that money that they found in his was you know, money that he collected from tours and probably from selling the land to build us route one. He's obviously an odd guy. And I, I do oh, think yeah. he's like some kind of little savant. Um, oh yeah. I'll agree with you. Kind of little savant guy. Cause it's, it's like everything else in his life. He seemed nice, but also like weird, like a, just a little odd. Yeah. Bit of an odd bird, but like very gifted and talented with this engineering. And, and it's a different mindset to think about things from an engineering perspective than um, I don't know other kinds of perspective yeah yeah I, I mean to me it's like the, the gate is the perfect example yeah because it's like oh what a good idea to put it in a wheel bearing mm -hmm. like it's this thing that's like kind of designed to already do the thing that you're asking it to do and like all you had to do was like drill a hole through the center of the this huge rock. Now I'm not saying that's easy, and I'm not saying that he didn't have any skill. Like that clearly took a lot of skill to get that thing like centered and straight and everything because it's like the gap, I think, from edge to edge, like where the gate is and where the frame for the gate is, it's like a less than a quarter of an inch. Hmm. So this thing fits in there like almost perfect. Uh you know, any more perfect and you probably wouldn't be able to move it because it would like be rubbing against the sides. So like, I mean, he's got skill. 
it's just it's very ingenious and i do i you know i i kind of do think that like sometimes yeah like like they kind of um we we said in the script it's like we sit there and we go like oh man how the fuck did ancient people do this they must have been so dumb and fucking stupid it's just like well it's because there was other areas of life where they hadn't didn't have any experience doesn't mean that they like medicine is like a new it's a new area of expertise because it requires a certain like understanding of like scientific method and uh like, well, like understanding of like microscopic things but if you think about it like stone masonry has been around for a long ass fucking time yeah doesn't matter who's in charge like like science and some of the things that we've only gotten because the idea like religious orders and things that used to rule society have dropped in power and other things secular things have gained in power theory like um you know but 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 people were building churches and doing stone masonry and like humans were building structures since the dawn of time so it's kind of like it's not really ancient knowledge it's it's foundational knowledge that has been built upon over thousands of years yeah i mean you know coral castle has no mortar mortarless structures have been a part of existence since yeah. i mean ancient history like look at look at ancient some ancient japanese and uh like chinese structures that they didn't use nails yeah exactly they just built incredibly i mean this is like it's oddly satisfying joints and joists that just sync up perfectly. Yeah. No creases. Like people had understandings of so like good. physics. Oh. Oddly satisfying. Oh man. Art's got his Ugh. rubbing his hands all over Ooh. his body. Ugh. Oof. You like oddly satisfying stuff, Andy? You ever go to that stupid subreddit? <laughs> I fucking love it. Oh man. Shit like eh, I'm a meh on that stuff. Some stuff that people find satisfying, I'm like, I don't fucking think that's satisfying. There's certain things though, like when something fits perfectly into something else, you're just like, that's so fucking satisfying. Yeah, there's some things that are pretty satisfying, oh, for sure. There's no caps. Fuck. Like if the you know, if the server at Pizza Hut filled my Pepsi up to the brim for yeah, try. <laughs> That would be really satisfying. That's ah, incredibly satisfying. It's incredibly satisfying. It is. I feel very satisfied Good. just thinking about it. You should feel satisfied. Um, I guess with Coral Castle, it's like, do you think? Look, I'm I'm not I'm discounting verbally right now, ancient astronaut in this because I didn't buy it Whoa. for pyramids. I didn't buy it for whatever. I didn't buy it for any of this other other stuff, and I'm not buying it for this. Um, but do you think that Ed did actually figure out some kind of like maglev technology? Do you think that he was levitating these blocks? Do you think his theory on magnetism has any sort of basis in reality? Obviously, it does. There are high speed trains that use magnets to yeah but so you, that they can get yeah, off but, of friction yeah but do you think that everything is pulsing with magnets uh that there are subatomic particles that are like that are bipole <laughs> magnets i don't know i have uh, no fucking clue i don't think so i have no fucking clue 
I am not smart enough or trained enough in physics to know. If you said that to me, I'd say maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. Don't isn't like everything everything has some kind of electrical current in it? Like Well, yeah, everything we has kind electrical of do. current. Like, you know, but we understand it, I think, through the uh through the like the mindset of like the, the particles, the subatomic particles that we're familiar with. And Ed's basically saying, like, here's a new subatomic particle that you've never heard of before. And it's actually the thing that makes energy, like not electrons. It's 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 this this new subatomic magnetic particle. The sweet sixteenium. <laughs> that element, would be the name. Element of it. sweet sixteen. Element sweet sixteen. Um I I can't answer that. I can't, truthfully. I have no fucking clue. I have no that's fair. I truly do not know how magnets work. I know that they repel each other if they're the same polarity and they attract each other if they're opposite. That's you know, about, I found that's out, about it to my magnet ex, magnet knowledge. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Like I I thought that uh I was like, "Oh, it's a book about magnets. I'll be able to make sense of this." And then I read it and I was like, "I don't fucking understand any of this." Nope. I guess I really don't know what a magnet is. I have no fucking clue. And you know what? I don't like physics. I'm okay with admitting that to whoever's listening to this yeah. that I'm a fucking dummy. Yeah. I don't know what a magnet is. Listen, it's got to be some kind of like that the 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 electrons are ionized or something. God, I don't fucking know. And they get a different charge. Some get charge. reversed or whatever. I don't know. Um, I just it I is fun just... to think of beef magnets and sweet potato magnets, though. <laughs> of course, you go there. Uh, beef magnets was my nickname in high school. Yeah, there's your nickname. It goes beef magnets. Hey, what's up? I'm Beef Magnets. And I'm the fucking quarterback. That's our quarterback, Beef Magnets. He gets all the girls. Ugh. These women in They're the school. They're so attracted to him. They're so attracted to him. All these 16-year-olds in our high school. They don't even know how what a fresh young boy I am and how I need such a virginally pure girl. I'm a sweet potato magnet. I'm a sweet magnet. Sweet magnet? I'm just a nice magnet. Hey, hey, sweet magnet. It's me. The principal, Mr. Shushenfush, get back to work. You're the janitor and you're 35. Oh, whoa, oh, what? Sorry, I was just uh, just working on some pamphlets. Perhaps you'd like to read them. No, I don't need to read any more manifestos. Just think about it. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking I'm concerned for the children. They need to stay pure. Yeah, you're a little too concerned about the children. There's, I, I sat in on picture day. I pretended to be the camera. He pretended to be mopping too in front of the camera. There were so, so many spills. Cameraman kept telling me to get out of the way, but I just wanted to make sure they were smiling correctly. Sweet, I hit so many kids with a mop stick. <laughs> my sweet little 16s. Ooh, stop showing so much gum. Ooh, look at those gums. Also, ooh, damn you, beef magnets. <laughs> oh, you're so hunky. Oh, it's not fair. If only if only these sweet sixteens could know what a nice little magnet I am. And just because I clean up their shit and piss all day and throw sawdust on their throw up and awkwardly stare at them. Why does everybody in the school shit and piss in the hallways and throw up in the hallways? <laughs> Maybe it's because of all the magnets. <laughs> oh, here we are in the school run by magnets. It's a magnet school. It's called a magnet school. 
Yeah, no, I'm Shash and Fush the Magnet. <laughs> I'm bipolar. He's a magerate of the Magnet School. <laughs> Please read my pamphlets. <laughs> do, do, do. Um, magnets. Magnets. If only I could go somewhere and find a sweet little Agnes. This is... <laughs> this is... This is 100% grade A Agnes scumped beef magnets. <laughs> this is Agnes beef magnets. <laughs> beef. beef magnets. <laughs> this is Agnes, 100% Angus Agnes beef magnets. Choice, choice Agnes beef magnets. <laughs> grade A. Agnes Agnes Prime. beef magnets. <laughs> it's like a rap song. Interior, crocodile, alligator. I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. Oh, yeah. I love that song. Uh, I always, I keep thinking with this one about uh, Kid Rock, though. Yeah. Uh, what's it, that one? Like, uh, her pussy was a magnet and his dick was made of metal? Or do I have it backwards? I don't put it past him. <laughs> do I have it backwards? Yeah, Andy, what's the... <laughs> You need to really stick was to the... Was the dick made of metal or was the dick uh, the magnet? I you think need the to stick to the, the lyrical integrity... Of the Kid Rock song. Of Kid Rock. Yeah. I'm sorry for all you Kid Rock fans out, out there. Um, Boy, oh boy. Uh, I don't know, Andy. I don't know about the world is made of magnets. Uh, magnets, how the fuck do they work? I don't know. ICP already kind of explored that for us all those years ago. Um, God, that meme might be like almost a decade old at this point. Jesus. Wow. Nice. Starts having an existential moment here. Getting old, bunk funkers. So old that it would look creepy if I dated a 16-year-old like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, Agnes. Oh, let me pick you up. I can bring one of my... Uh... Bring one of my many cars. You Agnes, can drive it with your I'll bring one of my permit. classic cars to your high school and pick you up. Come on. What's the deal? Comedians in cars getting teens. <laughs> I mean, it's fucked up, dude. Like, nobody gave, did anybody give a shit? <laughs> that's the thing. I think that society's too okay with it. I read a story that apparently David Bowie also had sex with a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. You ever hear about that story? Mm -hmm, yeah. He let her bathe her. Yeah. And then they had sex. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's fucked up. I think that, uh, I think the worm is starting to turn a little bit on, on be, like people being kind of like just ignoring this stuff and being like, oh, well, that's weird to people yeah. being like, no, this is like a crime. Yeah. Which I think is good. <laughs> like, Adult men shouldn't date teens. Oh, it's it's almost like, I know it's stupid and almost futile to ask, but it's like, why would you want to? Yeah. Don't you want somebody who, like, at least is near your age? Or what do you have in common with a 16-year-old? Yeah, what the fuck? She's going to be like, oh, my God, my fucking homework. I'm going to be like, oh, I had to do my taxes. She's going to be like, what are taxes? <laughs> like, I can't connect with you. You probably have some sort of weird, like, you know, it's probably like a weird thing where you're like, Jerry Seinfeld probably felt like, oh, he's got like some sort of a daddy thing. Yes. You know, like he wanted oh, to definitely. be daddy. It's like an incest kind of thing. Yeah, I believe it. Because clearly, 
Ed's saying, hey, if you're a mother and your daughter is being pursued by a boy, you should go have you sex should have with sex the with the boy and let him practice on you. Because you, nothing bad can happen to you from that. <laughs> oh, so all you moms out there, you know, go bang your daughter's boyfriends. Yeah. Before they do. Right. Just so that they get, you know, the boy understands what it's like to be with a woman. Yeah. He won't be so fresh then, and right. he'll be ready for your daughter. Right. Uh, you know, all those MILFs out there, all those MILFs listening. Yeah. Take up the mantle. Yeah. Take up the... Take the charge. Take up the MILFs are second largest demographic. <laughs> they are mostly in our area. Yeah. And they're ready to chat. Yeah. <laughs> Bunk bunkers, I mean, you might not know this, but there's a lot of sexy MILFs in our area. Yeah. A lot of lonely, single, sexy MILFs. A lot of lonely, single, sexy MILFs hanging out at the Walmart parking lots. Yep. Uh one of the 16 Walmarts. Uh, at which we sit at the epicenter. Right. Um, I don't know, Andy. Should we get to some verdicts here? What do you, What else do we want to chat about with old Ed Leedscallon in the Coral Castle? Oh, yeah. Let's get to verdicts. Okay, then. Um, um, I mean, I you know, uh, I think mine are pretty clear, Andy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, what? Yeah, go ahead, then. Uh, pretty clear uh i think uh i think case confirmed on this guy kind of being a creep so i'll say that okay. case confirmed. <laughs> i think uh at least gallon was a little creepy uh these these uh pamphlets are creepy to me and uh i don't uh i don't think i condone any of the things written in them <laughs> <laughs> i obviously have not read their full pamphlets but from what i have read uh i don't like the contents <laughs> they give me the uh skeevies the leads the, the scoofs they give me the scoofs I, I get the scoofs i get the scoofs that being said i i'm going case closed on this one with wow. any kind of secret tech including the magnet shit i i obviously have no understanding of magnets but i'm just gonna go on the record and say case closed wow if i get proven a fool i get proven a fool at least i'm not somebody some volcel reading these pamphlets um, that being said, this guy, very talented at stone cutting, uh, obviously has a mind for engineering, obviously had a lot of time on his hands. Um, but I'm going case closed on any kind of secret tech. You bunk fuckers know me. This is my, this is my Andy and ghosts moment. Uh, Andy is to ghosts as I am to ancient <laughs> structures being the result of anything related to alien technology. I am... So not for it. Um, because when the aliens do come to take us over, it's got to be humanity first. Us humans have to stick together and take on the alien rebels, and well the alien said. scum. So we need to look back through history and say, hey, these are achievements made by humans for humans. And you aliens are going to come in and fuck us up Independence Day style. We're going to hack you. And we're going to send Will Smith after your ass. You're going to beat your ass raw. Well, Art, I'm going to echo everything you said, except for all the part at the end there. <laughs> yeah, right. Case, you'll, you'll fucking bend over and let those aliens take your ass and your fucking anal purity. Oh, it ain't pure anymore, baby. <laughs> you'll that's bend a, over that's those one aliens. impure anus. <laughs> that's one impure anus. 
Uh, I'm going to go case confirmed. Ed's a creepy little weirdo. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to go case closed on secret tech. Wow. I'm going to invent a new register on the bunker plausibility scale in honor of Ed Leeds Gallen. Wow. Uh, and I'm going plausible magnetic subatomic particle, a.k.a. plausible sweet 16, uh, which is... Um, oh, my God. Uh, I guess it's, it's uh, between plausible molecule and plausible quark. Somewhere around plausible antiproton. Um, so, uh, plausible magnetic subatomic particle. Um, maybe Ed figured out some kind of magnetic thing, but I can't make heads or tails of it. And it sure seems like if he had a breakthrough, somebody else would have been like, hey, this guy was onto something oh my God. Uh, by this point. But eh, what the hell? Um, I think he was kind of an ingenious sort of uh, uh, engineer type of person. Like yeah. you said, a savant, I think is fair. Uh, and Coral Castle is uh, quite an achievement. Um, so with that said, Art, I have a special segment. Oh my goodness! For you, wow! Uh, this is a surprise. Uh, a special Bunkers. segment. Uh, I didn't tell Art that I was going to do this. Uh, so this is a surprise to you. This is a surprise to Art. Um, a surprise to everyone but me. <laughs> goodness. Um, Bunkfunkers, we uh, we recently had uh, the opportunity to uh, record with a, a very good friend of ours named David Flora, who does a podcast called Blurry Photos, mm -hmm. uh, which you can uh, check out through any way you get uh, podcasts. Please check them um, out. One, one thing that David Flora does during Blurry Photos is he often uh, has some puns. Um, so in honor of... Uh, David Flora and his Blurry Photos mm -hmm. uh, podcast, I'm going to end today's episode with some puns. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, in a segment that I'm calling Flora Castle. Um, you know, uh, Art, uh, we love talking about fast food chains oh my God. On, this, uh, on this show. Yeah. And I don't know if you heard the big news uh -huh. uh, in the fast food world. What's that, Andy? Uh, but uh, the Hardee's... Uh, slash Carl's Jr. brand is going to be merging. Oh, really? Yeah. With another uh, hamburger shop called White Castle. Uh, and the new restaurants are going to be called Carl Castle. Uh, our, uh, we obviously learned a lot about uh, Coral Castle today, and it's, it's quite a monumental structure. Sure. Um, but... Uh, it, it was uh, built in dedication of uh, weird virginal purity or lusting after a teen or sure. whatever. Um, but it's not the only megalithic kind of structure that's been built uh, in honor of uh, some more recent events. You don't say. Um, did you know that there was a whole uh, amusement park constructed uh, in honor of the Iran-Contra scandal? I didn't. What's that? Yeah, it's called, that? it's called Iraq Gate Park. Art, um, you may remember that in the 1960s, in the counterculture, oh. uh, there was a famous, uh, you know, song about San Francisco. When you go to San Francisco, wear flowers in your hair. Mm -hmm. Well, not a lot of people know this, but Miami in the 60s, the counterculture there, had a similar kind of thing, but it was it was put flowers in your pants when you go to Miami. Like, don't wear flowers in your hair, put flowers in your pants. Really? Yeah. So when you would go to Miami in the 60s, you would have a floral asshole. 
Thank you. That's been Flora Castle. <laughs> wow. Flora Castle. Look out for that segment. Uh, we'll definitely be returning on every single episode ever. <laughs> Uh, We're going to retroactively go back and re-record every right. episode in the catalog that's to right. add that segment. We will, and um, and 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 yes, please do check out our friend uh, David Flora at Blurry Flotos. I, I, can't, I always say blurry that flotos. Blurry Flotos. It's Blurry Photos. Yeah, Blurry Blurry. The word Blurry very difficult for me to say. <laughs> uh, having some trouble with it, but uh, you won't have any trouble listening to to our friend David. Um, great guy, great show, and um. Thank you, Andy, for that surprise segment. Uh, that uh, you are a um, you are a gentleman and a weird little hermit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, bunkers, well, I've got floral assholes, so yeah, you do I'm have fine. floral asshole. Um, those were our verdicts on the Coral Castle and Edlead Scallon. Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. Floral asshole. Uh, it's either that or hashtag weird little hermit. Use the hashtag. Uh, let's go with weird little hermit because I'm not sure if I want to put floral asshole in the show notes or not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I think that you can't swear in the show notes. Like iTunes is going to get mad at me. <laughs> Hey, no swearing in the show notes. Like, have you listened to the show? Oh, no, it's Steve Jobs' ghost. <laughs> uh, Steve Jobs' ghost. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, use the hashtag WeirdLittleHermit. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at MrBunkerPod. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash MrBunkerPod. Or YouTube search us there. Um, you can email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on mrbunkersconspiracytime.com. Links to everything I just mentioned, as well as a link to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash mrbunkerpod, where for $5 a month, you can get access to our monthly, um, to our monthly, uh, 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 uh Patreon show, Andy and Art Debunked. Uh, the full back catalog, there's like, you know, a bunch of different episodes covering a bunch of different fun topics, serial killers, extraordinary humans, uh, different uh, <laughs> myths that we've busted open, like a myth buster. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of other fun perks there as well. Check us out, patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Um, well, Andy. Um, here we are on our little road trip down U.S. Route 1. Yeah. It's time to head back. Yeah. Time to get back to our family. Our teenage Sasquatch son, Peon Musk, and our adult baby, David Crosby. Um, Andy, any, fi any final words here for the old coral, coral castle before we leave? I think I've said it all, Art. Yeah. And I'm on the record. That's true. I hope. Well, um... Very true, Andy. Uh, what a powerful statement from Andy. Uh, absolutely <laughs> incredible. He really uh, he really just knows how to hit you right in the heartstrings, doesn't he, motherfuckers? <laughs> but uh, speaking of heartstrings, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my lackadaisical. 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 I don't give a shit. <laughs> Co-host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that 
It was the whole enchilada. Scoofst. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.